highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. I've got somebody watching my back. Somebody I can trust. Ooh, Elizabeth. Somebody. Not a good she did last time, right, McMahon? I don't think that's... Somebody in this building right now. And that somebody is my tag team partner. And I got me a tag team partner. Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. I've got me a tag team partner. And he's the greatest tag team partner that anybody in the world could ever have. That ain't you, Vince. phone call that Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man know about it. We don't care because number one, you and I are fighting for different things, man. You and I are fighting for the love of all those Hulkamaniacs, for the love of all the madness, yeah. Number two, Macho Man, you and I are fighting for the same lady, brother. She is now our manager. And you and I are that fighting for her honor, Macho Man. No way, I don't think so. Ha, ha, ha. Ooh, wow. But the third thing, Thanks Macho you, Man, the third thing we're fighting for is for the cause. Just like the phone call that was heard around the world, the handshake between you and me that will unite us as one being, the handshake of the madness and the mania together will formally be felt and around the world. We will make the world stand still because this is the first public shaking of the mega powers, brother. Whoa! Welcome to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett coming to you from Buffalo, New York. Later, I will be joined in the seat across from me from the beautiful and talented Paula, New York. But in the meantime, I'm going to have to settle for my main man from County, New Jersey, Sopranos Town, USA. The pizza over there has never hurt nobody, okay? Let's give it up to my man, Hollywood, Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? Here's Hollywood Dave Rollins coming to you from red hot Kearney, New Jersey. Yeah, hot here too. as balls. Yeah. My God, thank God. My my supervisor didn't have me doing no outside stuff. I was just buffing floors today, so I, so I'm here to talk about it. You know, I don't lose enough of those electric lights, dude. I know it's electro lights. I like to say electric lights. I like that I like too. To, I like to say words wrong on purpose. We got two days left of this in Buffalo. Seventy six and beautiful on Saturday. We just gotta get to that. Just got to get that. That sounds good to me. We're not going down that low, but I know um, 
Saturday, you know, it's going to be a little better over here. I think I'm going to head down to the shore. So, Dave, since the last podcast, you've been busy rocking and rolling, my man. Not only did you have uh, the Motley Crue cover band crucified in uh, in New Jersey. Oh, a, boy. A gig that you set up and performed at. Uh, but also you were at Giant Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey for Guns N' Roses. Give me the review of both shows, my man. What went down in Jersey with the rock and roll since the last show? Yeah, a lot of rock and roll here in New Jersey, but, uh, you know, this is an old man you're talking to acting like a young man, and I acted like very much like a young man, and I pay the price every time. But, hey, good times all around. The, the crew thing over at here at Sean Slough, and I don't know if you want to call it a bar or a club. Some people are starting to call it a club because all the all the bands playing. It was great. The guys from Long Island, this, this is their favorite place to play more than Long Island because everybody just goes nuts. I mean, people are dropping in a good way, not from fighting, just from slipping on beer on the ground and, Girls hopping on stage, playing a tambourine, you know, just just insane. Just, just insanity that, that hasn't been around for a long time. It was a really, really, really fun time. Uh, the Guns N' Roses show, um, a few days later, uh, was good. You know, the, the, it's paint by num- the Paint by Numbers GNR show. I was very disappointed yeah. that they, they were supposed to play Dead Horse, and they, they replaced it with a terrible song, a leftover from Chinese democracy called Absurd. Oh, Absurd? Called- that is not good. Yeah, it used to be called Silkworms. They played it in it's, 01 a couple it's times. It's not good, yeah. Yeah, no, and um, I got I got too messed up on, on, at that show. I, uh, I, nothing happened, you know, not, nothing of note, but I just, I don't, I, I, even though I like I, everybody listening to this that doesn't know me, but say, oh, this guy's crazy. I'm crazy, but I, I, like, I don't like to be out of control. I like to be in control of myself. I like to know what I'm doing. If I did something crazy, I want to know about it. I don't like to be blurry and all that shit and drinking for four hours out in the sun you know, it affects you different when you're 41 than when you're 28. And uh, like I said, nothing happened. I, I remember I remember most of the show, but I, I kind of snapped out of it when we got out of there. We went back to the club where uh, the crew band played. And I remember all that. We were just crazy, going wild. And, uh, you know, I did a, I had the next, took the next day off work, so I didn't want to waste it in bed. So I did a hair of the dog. I did a hair of the dog on Saturday. Just keep putting that off. And then Sunday, you spoke to me Sunday. I was in pretty bad shape, Sunday and Monday. I finally got back to, uh, to running my mile uh, last night. I got one in. I'm feeling pretty good now. I'm here. But, yeah, paint by numbers, uh, GNR. Show. Hey, I'm happy to have them play. My, my friend Soup is a diehard GNR fan, but he's a very critical fan. He's one of well, those type people I always try to talk about. I'm like, dude, just be happy they're here. Be happy Axel's not dead like so many other front men. Like, just be happy. You know, oh, well, this, well, that. I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm nothing like that. If, I, if I'm a crew fan, if I had to be like that, you know what I mean? It, it just definitely sure. wouldn't work. Sure. But uh, yeah, three zero. He's he's a great guy, and we uh, we, we tore it up. Uh, a bunch of us, you know, a bunch of carny people uh, went over there uh, for the tailgate. I'm not going to say I'm not going to tailgate anymore, but uh, I got I like to. I like that big tan. I don't burn, so I never think the sun's affecting me because I don't burn. But uh, I think you know because I could drink that much in a bar or or at my house, and doesn't have that same kind of effect. So I think that um, it's the sun, out out in that sun. Yeah, I don't understand tailgating i guess um you know in the sense like i know you didn't get to see wolfie right no but i mean that was just uh you know be, being a weeknight and there everything ha- starting so early usually the opening act come out at eight o'clock you know, he was on a 6 30 uh-huh. so that you know that, that's a, that's a little rough for, but uh, i mean you were there right oh we were in a lot oh yeah absolutely yeah so i mean so i, I just yeah. don't get it i guess because like there's a million days between now and like was this your first big concert back right Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in a, God, since I guess summer of nineteen. 
and I'm sure you've partied a couple times, but not rock and rolled, you know. So to me, the the you know, to me, I guess I'm just different because I know, and I know I'm in the minority here. Um, but not wrong with that. When it's time to rock and roll, I just want to rock and roll. You know what I mean? I just want to see the shows. I don't, I only get to see Guns and Ro- like I've seen Guns and Roses two times since 1990. You know what I mean? So on those two days, I just wanna be in GNR mode. You know, I just wanna see the band full capacity, remember everything, not forget anything. Because there's a million other days where I'm gonna be able to do that and enjoy that. You know, and I would have just thought, man, I got. I would just think like I could get in there and just be ready to rock and roll. But I know I'm, I know I'm the minority on that. You know, I understand that. Yeah, I was never big on on opening bands. Uh, you know, no matter unless it was like Vince Neil or something. Yeah, I'm not a believe when the. I'm not a big opening band guy either. Um, especially when it's my main band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Luckily, the last bunch of Pearl Jam tours, it's. They, I don't think they've had an opener since. 2005 maybe maybe six yeah, they, they play a long set but i just have no time that night for anything but pro you know what i mean like my yeah. focus is just not with sonic what youth ha- or super drag or you know um my morning jacket or <laughs> you know some of these bands that where they, where they come up with these names you know what i mean yeah, like i just, just don't my morning jacket. It's just a heel name. You want to hate them from And they're the just these hippie guys. You know I know. What I mean? Like, I, I just mean, don't. It just says it right. Like, throw yeah. that CD away right now. Get it out of my face. Yeah, I just. <laughs> but what happens, though, Steve, is this. Like, we might say someone like Wolfie. Oh, yeah, I, w- I, w- I want to go in for that. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, uh, Foreigners opening before Journey or some, something. Like, yeah, I, was, you know, I definitely want to see that. I like the music. But you get there. Then you're like. Oh, I want to go in, but nobody else does. And you start going in, and then you run into somebody else, and you run into this girl, and you run into, and you don't go in. You know sure. what I mean? That's just that's just what happens. But sometimes, sometimes I make it, and definitely all nothing but love. Uh, what time for did Wolfie. they start? I'll, I'll see him somewhere. GNR came on like eight o'clock on the dot. It was still light out. Yeah, crazy. See, that's the thing. Like, I, I different world. If GNR, if it was the old days, I would understand a lot more. Like. What the hell are you gonna do in there when Wolfie's done? You know what I mean? Like, no, you're right. Like, like I mean, yeah. like between six thirty, eight yeah. o'clock. I would have remembered the show better. I wish I went in, but I just didn't. Yeah, you interesting. Know, this is the way. It's the way the cookie crumbles, pal. Well, talking about cookies crumbling, it seems like, and I imagine this at least once already. It seems like we're on a run again with wrestlers passing away. You know, it seems like, and and proof of this is tonight we're recording and. Dominic Danucci passes away. Now, that's an old man, you know, who lived a full life. You know, God bless him. Rest in peace. We've had a rough run here. Um, Paul Orndorff, you know, others, and beautiful Bobby Eaton, who I wanted to give you a chance as someone who watched a little bit more WCW. Though, to be honest, I've mentioned on here before, when I did watch wrestling on Saturday night at 6.05 at my dad's house down in the basement on TV there, that, a lot of it was Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, Jim Cornette, you know, the tennis racket. So I did watch a lot of Bob Eaton and really lo- loved to watch uh, Jim Cornette and his tag team and Rock and Roll Express, all that. So I did get to watch a bit of that when I watched on Saturday nights. Um, Classic. Yeah, so rest in peace to Bob Eaton and to Danucci. And now we got Brian Nobbs, who's got a GoFundMe setting up. He's got some health issues. So you wonder if we're just weeks away from something happening there. But it's been a well, bad. Hope it's been a bad year for for wrestlers. I feel like it's a tough yeah, business. Um, tough way to make a living. 
Yeah, man. Rest in peace to both uh, the great legendary Dominic Danucci, who somehow is not in the Hall of Fame, and he's always been in good graces with the WWE. That makes no sense. And, um, and of course, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Uh, I wasn't, you know, big uh, in real time NW, 80s NWA uh, viewer. You know, as a kid, I was old, only the WWF. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, I know the work they've done with the Rock and Roll Express, Jim Cornette, whatnot. But I did definitely see the Clash of the Champions where he uh, was kind of like a rare match. He challenged Flair for the title in June of 1991. And I remember really enjoying that match. And then, of course, when I went over to WCW with Hulk, uh, you know, Bobby Eaton was there. He was teaming up with Steve Kern as Bad Attitude, a little mix of the Fabulous Ones and the Midnight Express. And that was a cool team. And then uh, after that, him and Lord Steven Regal uh, got together for the form the Blue Bloods. Some funny vignettes I posted on the uh, Facebook page, 24-inch podcast. Actually, funny thing, Steve, that Bobby Eaton spot in that tag team was supposed to be for Triple H, Jean-Paul Levesque. But oh, he, wow. uh yeah, he went up north instead and you know left uh, Regal hanging. I think that worked out for him, though, in the long run. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just listening to Stephanie McMahon on Stern, and uh, oh. and he's just drilling her on. Uh, so, like, so is he still with China? But when he stole him from China, you mu- she must have been really happy because now he's with a woman. Just, like, just brutal. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, going on and on. And, so, and Stephanie is really down to earth. Look, she basically said she'd be willing to try anal. I mean, Whoa. wild. Just a wild interview. Yeah. But I just listened Whoa. to that. So, yeah, it did, uh, did turn out well. Um, tough segue here. Uh, but, yeah. It's, oh, and also, I, I'm yeah. sorry, sorry to cut you off. I didn't get to speak on Brian. Um, you know, a lot of people might think, wild man, you know, Hogan's buddy and all. That all works for me, brother. But for a lot of people in this day and age, I don't get it. But they don't like that kind of thing. What I think's cool, people don't like. But Brian Nobbs, let me tell you something. All these, no one's been to more wrestling conventions than Hollywood Dave Rollins. And because I'm right here in New Jersey, uh, northern New Jersey, where they all take place. And Brian Nobbs, over the years, no matter if I bought anything from his table or not, usually I never bought anything from his table. He would bullshit with me for a half hour, you know, on, you know, on and off while he signed and never gave a problem. Some guys are like pushing their pictures near me and kind of like, you know, you know, like, hey. You got my autograph last time, right? Yeah, and which is true. Like, you're not going to get it every time from the same guy. Hey, I don't give a shit. So uh, he was always very, very nice to me. I won't forget that. And hopefully it doesn't seem like it's life-threatening. It's a stomach issues. Steve, you can relate to that. So hopefully it's uh, nothing too too bad that he's going to stick around for a while. Yeah, hopefully he does. Stomach issues can be brutal. Yeah, uh, So knows? are often pretty curable. Um, so hopefully he gets good care and... Uh, if you get a chance to donate, I'm sure you just Google Brian Nobbs GoFundMe and it'll come right up. Uh, speaking of donations, we're recording on August 12th, uh, and in one month it's going to be, amazingly, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And uh, that blows my mind. Obviously, Me too. we all remember where we were uh, on 9-11. And I remember waking up that day and reading something about it on AOL. On the sign-in, and I thought that they were talking about the original, um, you know, in 1993, the original attack on the Trade Center. Yeah. But I thought it must have been the anniversary of that or something. And then I got to ca- I got into the car, and, and Stern was on, and, and I, you know, found out. But um, there's going to be a podcast, which is going to be for charity. All the proceeds for the podcast are going to go to Tunnel to Towers, The Wounded Warrior, um, and the thing about 9-11 is it's still taking lives to this day. 
uh, complications from things that people breathed in, cancer, all that. So it's still anxiety. Uh, yeah. Um, going to be a yeah, big suicides, thing. Suicides, nightmares, all oh. that. And uh, a friend of a friend uh, is a guy named Niels Jorgensen. And he's a retired fire department of New York firefighter. He was at the World Trade Center during the first attack in 1993 and was also at the Trade Center on 9-11-01. And he was forced to retire after contracting leukemia as a result of 9-11. Um, the project is called 20 for 20, 20 heroic 9-11 stories of good people for the 20th anniversary. Uh, he's going to host and interview the guests and have them tell their personal version of 9-11 experiences. Uh, there's going to be a website up soon. It's 20for20.com, the number two, the number zero, F-O-R, the number two, the number zero, dot com, 2420, kind of like the uh, 2020 show, but with the four in the middle. Uh, they'll have episode information and bonus cuts. And, um, you know, I just want everyone to check it out. And and the thing, too, and we'll mention it at the end in the plugs, and we'll be mentioning it in the plugs for the next few weeks. But um, what really makes this special is that it's a charity podcast. And they're going to be raising money for good charities, like I mentioned Tunnel the Towers, um, 9-11 Wounded Military Charities, uh, and they're going to do about an episode a week, and they're hoping to get going on August 31st, September 1st, somewhere in that area, start of the month, end of the month, end of SummerSlam season. But um, uh, God bless Niels. Uh, yeah, God bless you, Niels. His, his uh, podcast journey and his leukemia journey, hopefully everything's going well with that, and it's a great series. And we wanted to just mention it um, for our friend who brought it to our attention. Um, thank you for doing that, and we'll make sure – um, that we get this out as much as we can. Uh, again, it's 20 for 20. Uh, the website is going to be 20 for 20.com. Uh, and there's going to be all kinds of stories uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So I just wanted yeah. to mention that. And we talk we talk about our television heroes here on a television uh, 24 inch podcast, but that's a real life hero right there that we're talking about that we're plugging for. And uh, God bless you, brother. And I uh, can't wait for the podcast. And uh, it's funny, I just had recently, um, I came home from Six, Cl- Six Flags Great Adventure a month or two ago, and I put on uh, World Trade Center. I don't know if it was a big hit or not, but Nicolas Cage, and it was hard to watch. It took, took, took you right back. I can't watch and, that. Uh, I can't. It's it too was hard to, to watch. It was brutal. I haven't brutal, seen man. any of the World Trade Center movies. It's brutal. just too real to me. Yeah, yeah. And like, and we, because we lived it, you know, we were prime age, you know, and you see stuff from the past that maybe we, you know, there was no disaster like that, you know, of course, in my opinion, but. That's a, that's a whole other story, but yeah, yeah, that's a real hero for you. Yeah, um, brutal. You know, I, I remember there was this saying like "never forget." You know, and I sometimes I feel like some people in the country have forgot. You know, so especially I especially this day and age. Yeah, so I think that something like this, it's good for them to hear. You know. Yeah. Um. So hopefully the word the country gets needs out. to get back on track. Jack. Yeah, the word gets out, and uh, twenty four twenty is a big success, and we'll do everything we can uh, to plug it, but. Like Dave said, we're here for a different purpose, and that's the purpose of our television and childhood heroes. And on today's show, Dave, it's SummerSlam 1988. Um, I've been excited to do this one. I was excited to prepare for it. Um, I like this show. Is it the world's greatest wrestling? Maybe not. Um, But I just remember the excitement of this day. You know, I was going to turn eight years old shortly after the show. 
right uh, after. Yep. I was always able to get in the years following, was able to get SummerSlam at my house and have friends watch it and sleep over. But my friend Donnie had a cheater box and we had watched WrestleMania four at his house and we watched SummerSlam 88 at his house as well. And I just remember being so excited uh, leading up to this for the show. And, um, you know, I remember waking up on Saturday the day before the show and, you know, the angle with um, with Beefcake and calling my friend Don. You're not going to believe this, but just really excited for this. So I'm excited to do it. Dave, any thoughts before we get into it or should we just... Uh, should we just do our thing here? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Since, since you, you explained your viewing of it, I got a kind of quick, funny story about mine too. Um, in Carney, New Jersey, we did not have pay per view yet. I believe either Survivor Series '88 or Royal Rumble '89 was the first one to kick off a long string at my house on Devon Street in Carney. But uh, this one, no, we didn't have it yet. But we did have it at my parents' shore house, the summer house. And so um, my mom picked me up at my aunt's house and. She said, it would just be a quiet thing. You know, we'll drive down there. You know, your father's at work. He's going to be home halfway through it. You know, my sisters weren't there. Just, you'll be good and just watch it. And I was. But then, like, during the Hercules Jake match or something, it's, it's rocks outside the shore house. You hear someone pulling up on the rocks. And it's my aunt, uncle, and grandma. And, you know, that was, like, my crew. You know, they, they, they drove from car. It's like an hour and a half drive on a, on a Monday night, you know, work night, just to see. The mega powers against the mega bucks. That's that's what all that. That's how big that stuff was. Three three adults, three normal adults, wanted to drive you know hour and a half on a work night to see uh, Hogan Macho Man against Andre Diviazzi. That's awesome, brother. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Love those stories. Uh, if you have a story of watching uh, Survivor Series eighty or SummerSlam eighty eight or even Survivor Series eighty eight, uh, send us a message at two four inch podcast on Twitter. The 24-inch podcast group page on Facebook or 24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram. Let us know what you did uh, for SummerSlam 88 back in the day. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We got a Ted DiBiase bio. We're going to talk a little bit about Madison Square Garden. And of course, we're going to give Dave a chance to shine as he tells us where Hulk was in August of 1988. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast is back. SummerSlam nineteen eighty-eight. It's one I know I've been looking forward to doing. Dave has also been looking forward to it. Paul and I were watching it earlier tonight. Um, Wheelhouse. Yeah, I can't wait to to get into it. So um, let's start with the main event um, in this one is the Megabucks 
uh, versus the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and his partner, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Which, if you recall, Dave, we did do an episode of Savage uh, from a house show match that they fought at the Garden. Uh, so we're not sure. we're not going to do uh, Macho Man's bio again. Um, and we're going to save Andre uh, for WrestleMania three, one of those shows. Uh, you know, there'll be a handful of them. Sure. And um, Elizabeth, Virgil, we'll keep them on the back burner. We're going to do Ted tonight. Uh, Theodore Marvin DiBiase Sr., born January 18th, 1954 in Miami, Florida, USA, is a retired professional wrestler and manager. Uh, He's a minister and a color commentator. He's currently on a Legends deal uh, with WWF, but uh, he was born in Florida. He's the biological son of wrestler Helen Nevins and Ted Willis who was an entertainer as a singer, but he was eventually adopted by Iron Mike DiBiase, uh, who married his mother when he was four years old. His adopted father, Mike, tragically passed away in the ring of a heart attack uh, when DiBiase was 15 years old, and that really kind of changed his life. DiBiase was a young uh, football star, um, and he moved uh, to Wilcox, Arizona, to live with his grandparents. Um, after that happened because his mother suffered from depression and alcoholism. Um, he attended Creighton Preparatory High School in Omaha, Nebraska, and then eventually got a football scholarship to West Texas State University, which is a wrestling legacy school. Obviously, Terry Funk and Tito Santana and Dusty Rhodes and so many different guys have played football there. Uh, West Texas State on a, a full scholarship. He was one of the better I think players um, of the wrestlers. I think Tully. I think Tito. I think Tito. Tito and Tully. And Tully. I was going to say Tully. I think was oh. a quarterback or something like that. Um, but ultimately, he's just too slow uh, to play football at the professional level. Uh, so in 1974, he was trained by Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk, and he made his professional wrestling debut as a referee in June of '74 in the Amarillo Territory, which was owned by the Funks. He then went to Mid-South Territory of Bill Watts, being promoted as the son of Iron Mike in 1975, where he wrestled for four years. His first match was a loss against... Uh, what year again? 75. 74? Boomer 75 Sooner. Loss, Boomer Sooner. It's a clue. Oh, Jim Ross? Steve, uh, <laughs> he wasn't wrestling yet. Dr. Death was. Uh, Danny Hodge. Oh, okay. Danny Hodge, All-American from Oklahoma. Uh, by February of 78, D.B. would unseat Dick Slater to become the Missouri State champion, uh, only to lose to... Uh, Tully Blanchard. Dick Murdoch, after a few oh, weeks on one. television. There's a tough man. 1979, he makes his World Wrestling Federation debut, a short stint with Vince McMahon Sr., uh, it was a transition time where it was going from being called the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Uh, and he was awarded the short-lived North American Championship, becoming the title's mm-hmm. first champion. Uh, on June 19, 1979, he lost the North American Championship to Pat Patterson, who unified the title with the South American Championship to become the first ever Intercontinental Champion. Rio de Janeiro, it yes. all happened in, brother. 
Uh, he was Hulk Hogan's opponent in Hulk's first Madison Square Garden match. Blame it on the Rio. There's a movie that wouldn't fly in these days. Yeah. Uh, saw the, that one. The National Wrestling Alliance. He returned to MSW and the UWF is where he spent his time uh, from 80 to 87. I mean, he's really a classic territories wrestler. You know, a guy who made his living and paid his dues up and down the road, spending time in Georgia where he had an early face run. He had a legendary angle enduring four pile drivers, one on the concrete floor and three in the ring. Administered in the WTBS studio arena by the fabulous Freebirds before his tag team partner. Uh, in NWA? Yep. Oof. Oh, God. I have. Uh, Tommy I Wildfire have Rich. Oh, Tommy Rich. Threw in the towel. Face. All right. Oh, he threw in a towel. Yeah. The angle. Oh, DiBiase was a face. Yes. Of course. Yes. He was. Yeah. The angle of DiBiase being badly injured was so real. The TBS studio audience could be seen crying. Wow. Uh, I'd like Rich, to see that. Rich and DiBiase later feuded, leading to a loser leaves town match. DiBiase won, but instead of Rich leading the area, he donned a mask, calling himself Mr. R. And the feud accumulated in a match between Mr. R and DiBiase. Uh, Rich appeared from backstage and distracted DiBiase. And Mr. R then rolled up DiBiase to get the win and was then unmasked as... Uh, you got family. me, my man. Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. You know, Mr. R, that could work for me, too. I could go back to the Guns N' Roses concert if I offended anybody in a lot. <laughs> you know, come back under, under a mask with Mr. R. Yeah, I like it. In the early to mid-80s, he participated in angles in various territories, feuding with Ric Flair, um, Dick Murdoch, Paul Orndorff, One Man Gang. Again, he's just one of these guys. He's He's learning the craft. Up and down, uh, up and down the roads. So he has a a meeting with Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon tells him he's got an idea, but he won't tell him the idea unless he signs. He gets some advice from a bunch of different people, and I think Terry Funk is the one that tells him, look, it. if Vince McMahon is telling you he has this idea that he would use for himself, and sign, you know, sign. And so he does. And he makes his return to the WWF as a babyface, actually, on May 15, 1987, at a house show in Houston, Texas. He came out to the ring yeah. to announce to those in attendance that it was only fitting that he was now competing in the WWF. Moments later, the one-man gang and Slick came to the ring for a gang-scheduled match. The referee had to force DiBiase to leave before there was a confrontation. The next show, on June 7th, DiBiase would have his first match and lose to the one-man gang. He went on to lose two additional house show confrontations to the gang, and he would then tag team with Sam Houston on June 26th against the one-man gang and Ron Bass. Houston had run in to assist DiBiase against the gang in one of the earlier matches. Towards the end of the match, DiBiase turned on and attacked Houston after he missed a drop kick on Bass, leaving him to get double teamed and pinned. His actions during the match served to effectively turn DiBiase heel uh, right before the on-screen debut of his new gimmick. It's weird. That's one of those weird WWF slash Paul Boss shows in the summer of uh, 1987. None of that ever aired like that. Yeah, it was really just for the purposes of like that crowd. For that area. They know know he's a heel now because what we saw as kids is just the vignettes just start. 
Like we didn't we didn't see any of that shit. I remember like hearing about it later. I'm like, what? That's not how DiBiase came in. I'm like, oh, you know, then you start learning more. Like, okay, it's that Paul Bosch stuff. They would show a lot of those matches on prime time, but obviously they didn't show they didn't show that. Yep, and it was a June twenty seventh episode of WWF Superstars where DiBiase had his first vignette. He would now be known as the Millionaire. And they are Man. great, those vignettes. Amazing. Uh, a millionaire who wore gold-studded dollar sign-covered suit. And in time, a custom-made, diamond-encrusted, and self-awarded million-dollar championship. Uh, the character was based on the type of wrestler that Vince McMahon would want to be. He was billed as having a spring residence in Palm Beach, Florida, a summer residence in Hyannisport, Massachusetts, and an autumn residence in... Making his autumn residence in the Netherlands Antilles. Oh, uh, that was his winter residence. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Summer residence in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. Yep. Making his fall residence. Ah, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Somewhere in Florida? Bel Air, California. Bel Air, Florida. California. Bel Air, California. I'm sorry. But anyway, I wanted to say this real quick while I'm yeah. talking. During those vignettes, I thought, you know, the seven-year-old kid six, seven-year-old kid, that Virgil was the wrestler. And, you know, DiBiase's the manager. He's the guy with the money. And I remember sure. they had this great debut on Challenge. Was, I remember the jobbers' names. It was Mr. Washington and Chris Curtis. And DiBiase paid off Mr. Washington to do his dirty work for him. So I still didn't know that DiBiase was a wrestler. And and it ended up, he ended up beating up Mr. Washington because he lost to the other two jobbers fighting on TV. It's yep. classic. Yeah. So I still didn't know. So it took till like the next week on Superstars, he starts taking off the suit. I'm like, what the hell? And he's a wrestler. Okay. Like yeah. they never kind of made it clear. Yeah, you kind of mentioned, but they bring him in with a bodyguard named Virgil, um, who was by his side during his matches and the vignettes. The idea for the name allegedly came because Virgil uh, was based on then NWA Booker Dusty Rhodes, whose real name is Virgil Runnels. Um, although Bruce Pitcher disputes this. They just really like the name Virgil, I guess. It came yeah, out. Uh, I don't know. What well, I mean, I think I think what he's saying is that it's not really a shot at Dusty. It's just like, oh, that's that's a you know that's his name. That's a great name to use. So it's kind of like you could kind of see a gray area there. Like it is a shot. Like Steve Bennett. So if I start calling someone Willow because I like you know because I like the name, is it a shot? Not really. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. But that's, he would, that's hard to explain. He would do these great things where he would pick someone out of the crowd and tell them to bounce the ball 15 times. And if they did, he'd give them $100. And then at 14, he'd kick the ball out on them. Um, just amazing, amazing things to build this character. And then his first big angle is that he wants to buy the World Heavyweight Championship from Hulk Hogan. Um, and then he enlists Andre the Giant uh, to get the belt for him. And then that obviously happens at the main event. And then WrestleMania 4 happens, and now here we are, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. So that's kind of the lead-up and kind of where um, Tag came from. And, I mean, really, he got picked for this spot because Vince knew he was perfect for it because he had been so seasoned. He was such a dependable veteran from just the years of learning on the road and in the territories and paying your dues, and it's something that, Unfortunately, you can't replicate at the uh, as beautiful and prestigious as it is. You can't replicate this at the uh, center in Orlando or whatever. Yeah, you I would know. say he's a, the top ten most famous wrestlers at top twelve or ten. Yeah, sure. Names, even the mark, the, the modern day Smarks know him. 
Like a guy like Big John Studd, the modern-day smart. Even though he was huge, they don't know anything about him. But everybody knows the Million Dollar Man. It's like he, he, he's universal. The, the real old-school fans, the WWF fans, the smarts, everybody, you know. Everybody loves DiBiase. Yep, and uh, he's great in this role, and uh, he's going to come up plenty of times on this show. Uh, but it's good to, to, to welcome him in here. Now, the event is at Madison Square Garden, and it was a Monday night. Uh, and it basically, they just took this show that they had scheduled for the arena in August and made it a pay-per-view. Because, uh, of course, at this time, they were running Madison Square Garden every month and airing those on the Madison Square Garden network. Um, but they, um, and this time, look at WrestleMania 1 was there. Uh, this is the New York Territory. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but I just... You made me just think of this now. Like, I haven't thought about this in years. Maybe not since 1988. Because I, I was so accustomed to the MSG Network, Bass Square Garden shows. When I sat down, down the shore, turned the TV on, that, that WWF was coming over the mountains, like in the beginning of The Shining. You know, the WWF, yep. what the world is watching. And we just made it in time. And then, boom, they go into the garden. It's an outside shop first. Then they're in the arena. I'm like, that's not bad. You know, I'm eight years old, just turned eight. That's not Madison Square Garden. No way, because of the lighting and everything. It made, you know, the garden was it always so dark, different. Yeah. Even WrestleMania still looked like the house show. WrestleMania 1 still looked like the house show. They didn't have the lighting rigged yet. So it looked like so different. Like, it took me a while to finally see the ceiling. Be like, okay, that is the garden. Sorry about the interruption. I had no, to put that out. That's all right. Madison Square Garden, obviously, it's known as the garden or by its initials MSG. A multi-purpose indoor arena in New York City. It's located in Midtown Manhattan, between Seventh and Eighth Avenue, from Thirty-first to Thirty-third Streets. Uh, it's situated atop Penn Station, so literally, if you can get on a train that gets off of Penn Station, all you got to do is walk straight up, and you're there. You get to the street, and boom, Madison Square Garden's there. You can actually get to it from. You don't even have to do that necessarily. Either. Easy peasy. I yeah. got I got a path train right over here in Harrison, the next town over. Boom. I mean, I was at my teenage years. I was at every house show. Uh, the younger years, you know, my dad, New York was a little, little sketchy at night. Yeah, still, especially on a weekday night. You know, we only, I went to SummerSlam 91, but uh, not 88. And the old house shows, he would, you know, they'd use the excuse, well, it's on TV. Let's go to the Meadowlands. It's not on TV. Kind of makes sense. So I always went for that. Uh, it's the fourth venue to bear the name Madison Square Garden. Uh, the first two in 1879 and 1890 were located on Madison Square on East 26th Street and Madison Avenue, with the third Madison Square Garden further uptown at 8th Avenue and 50th Street. Uh, the garden, of course, is used for hockey and basketball, boxing, concerts, anything in an arena. This is the world's most famous arena, and they want to do it there. Uh, they broke ground on October 29th, 1964, um, for a cost of $123 million, and they've done renovations in 1991. They spent $200 million uh, to renovate it, which would be $1.9 billion in 2020. Wow. Um, and they've been doing some renovations from 2011 to 2013. Uh, so they're always kind of working on this place. It's a beautiful place to go. It's a special place to go. Um. It's the home of the, of the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. Uh, the Knicks and Rangers have both been there from 1968 to present. Uh, St. John's Red Storm basketball game since 1969. 
Um, it's also hosted uh, the New York Cosmos, the New York Knights Arena Football League team. Uh, the New York Liberty played there, two different stints. Um, the New York Titans of the National Lacrosse League played there for a few years. So uh, the, the home of the Big East Basketball Tournament and Big East Basketball. Um, every concert you can think of, uh, every band has played there. Uh, more high-profile concert events than any other venue in New York City. Now, it's a little bit sad to say that since Barclays, uh, there's been a little bit of a trend to play there instead of the Garden because of the unions and the high cost to run the Garden. Um, a newer, more modern, cheaper arena in Brooklyn uh, has um, emerged a little bit in Barclays. But yeah, man. there's still only one Madison Square Garden, of course. Um, it's been the venue for Michael Jackson's Bad World Tour, George Harrison's The Concert for Bangladesh, uh, The Concert for New York City following the September 11 attacks, uh, John Lennon's final concert appearance uh, was during an Elton yeah. John concert on Thanksgiving night in 1974. It's amazing to me that for six years he didn't play a concert. Yeah, seventy four. Anyway. He died like eighty one, right? No, 80, 81? December 80. of eighty. Remember that on the football on the Monday Night Football, the uh, the announcement. I'm sure you, you, you've yep, gone back course. and seen that on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. and sad. Also, Elvis Presley, who gave four sold out performances in 1972, uh, his first and last ever in New York City. Uh, Kiss, who were formed in the Arena City, and three of whose members were born. Did four shows in the arena in 1977 and another two shows for a decade under in 1979. Uh, Billy, I've seen them there. Yeah, Billy Joel um, plays there almost monthly before the pandemic, yeah, I've certainly. seen him about four or five times Yeah, uh, the past, it, past five years. It's become kind of a New York City thing to do, you know, to see uh, Billy Joel at the Garden. Um, Led Zeppelin's Three Night Stand in 1973. Uh, was recorded and released as both a film and album titled. Uh, what's the year again? 1973. Uh, Led Zeppelin 2. The song remains the same. Oh, the song remains the same. But that wasn't an album, right? Uh, well, it's a lot. You know, there's a live album. Yeah, live. It's a live yeah. album. Um, the, the police played their final show of their arena tour at the Garden um, in 2008. This is crazy. In the summer of 2017, Fish performed 13 consecutive concerts at the venue. And they just canceled AC tonight. I got a text from Soup. He's over there with his wife. He, they were going to play on the beach. It's funny you said that. And they, they just canceled. They just canceled, huh? Yeah, I think he's going to go. But tomorrow night, he's got Frankie Valley, who, who hasn't canceled. I'll take Frankie Valley. Uh, the Garden commemorated by putting a Fish banner in the rafters. I know they play there around New Year's a lot. Um, so there's that. Uh, I'm not a big fish guy. My friend Matt has been over a hundred shows. Yeah, I mean it's just not my thing. Like I got no, no real problem with it. But, you know, just I went to whatever. one. I've seen him one time. Yeah, and it's like I, Grateful Dead. It's the same shit. I right? just got annoyed. You got to watch out for freaking glow sticks flying everywhere. But oh, God. Uh, Elton John held the all-time record for the greatest number of appearances at the Garden um, with 64 shows in a 2009 press release. John was quoted as saying, Madison Square Garden is my favorite venue in the whole world. I chose to have my 60th birthday concert there because of all the incredible memories I have playing the venue. Uh, the Grateful Dead played there 53 times. U2 28 times. 
think I've seen them there. A 50th anniversary celebration of the Allman Brothers entitled The Brothers took place, featuring the five surviving members of the final Allman Brothers lineup. Now, they normally played the Beacon, right? Didn't they really like to play there? All, uh, they, all March. Yeah. They would play the Beacon. Yeah. Uh, the live shows returned to the Garden after the pandemic. The Foo Fighters uh, were the first band to play there June 20th, 2021. The show was for a vaccinated audience only and was the first 100% capacity concert in New York State Arena since the start of the pandemic. It's nothing, all... to do with, nothing to do with any of that, any of the political side and all that crap. Dave Grohl just gets to me. Why is he? He's... You know, he's a good musician. I like him, but I'm tired of looking at his ugly face on every documentary and everything. Why don't they have Hollywood Dave Rollins speaking on there? I don't understand. Yeah, I'm a little tired of him too. I'm not a big Foo yeah. Fighters fan. I, I'm not. I a, like their music. I'm not against know. them. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm generic. just tired of him. I just, don't, I don't get what makes him the Almighty. You know, there's other people that they can have him on there sometimes, but it's just like, oh, every documentary. Here it is, Dave Grohl. You have a documentary on, you know, in the Bee Gees. He's involved with that now. Like, what the hell is he? Have? Come on. Enough. Uh, it's also hosted the 1976, 1980, and 1992 Democratic National Convention. Of course, the 1980, <laughs> 1980 unsuccessful, uh, 92 successful, uh, 76 successful. The 2004 Republican National Convention was there. I have a funny story about that. Um, in 2003, I was in New York City for Pearl Jam, and my friend Matt and I were at dinner with his friend's wife, we were waiting for his friend to show up. So it was just the three of us at the table. We were talking about New York. You know, oh, you got, how long are you guys going to be here? You know, oh, you guys going to come back? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about coming back next year for the uh, Republican National Convention. She's like, oh, why? To protest? <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to get beat up. And I was like, no, not to protest. You're going to get beat up with wimpy punches, not punches with the knuckles, you know, with like the inside of your hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it also hosted the NFL draft for many years. Later, uh, it was at Radio City Music Hall, and now they move it around. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I got a really kind of cool thing that the Garden hosted. Uh, it hosted the Rivalry on Ice in Ooh. January of 2014. Uh, Yale Hockey and Harvard Hockey uh, played uh, a game at Madison Square Garden, and I got to see. So in – let's go back. So in 1998, I was a senior in high school. Actually, it was December of 97, you know, just about to turn to 98. And my family went to New York City. So half of my family, when they came from Italy, half stayed in in New York City, settled on Staten Island, and the other half came to Buffalo. So we went to New York City. My my great-grandmother had died in October, and we went in December, and we got to see her sister and my grandma's cousin, spend some time in Staten Island, meet our family, and I would go back a couple times the next several years. And spend time there with them. But um, we went into the city to see a Rangers game. And it just happened to be against the Sabres. Just because that's who they happened to be playing that night. So my mom and my brothers and I. We were in the Madison Square Garden stands. And I remember sitting next to my brother Anthony. Watching the game. Talking about the garden. We were sharing a hot pretzel. And like that's you know. That's the best right. They, I, they smell better than they taste. They yeah. still taste good. But the smell's even better. I also remember we're walking through the halls. The Jets were playing the Lions, and Barry Sanders ran for his 2,000th yard in the game. Awesome. And me and my brother saw that on the TV there, and even the Jets fans were like, wow, 2,000 yards. You know, it's so cool to see it. But you Yeah, know, we, we take New York for granted over here. It's it's like once in a while, you know, besides me going to wrestling and 
rock concerts and stuff, but that I do with my buddies. But like family stuff, like once in a while we'll get together, like do a Sunday and go see the you know the big Christmas tree, Rockefeller Center, and take in you know take in the city. But it's become a little few few and far between lately. But you know, but once in a while. Yeah, but you know, so here we are in 1997. My brother Anthony, he's born in 91, so he's six years old. And, you know, I'm his older brother, and I'm just the coolest guy to him. And we're I didn't realize you guys had such a gap. Yeah, 11 years apart. And, yeah, how about that? You know, we're just celebrating the city, and we're at the world's most famous arena. We're watching a hockey game, sharing a pretzel. And then you fast forward to 2014, and he's on the ice, and I'm in the stands. Amazing. You know, and I got to watch, wow. you know, watch him play. Uh, he had an assist in the game. They won 4-1. to one. He had an assist, and this is kind of a funny story. So my brother... Uh, makes a pass out to the front, boom, goal. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like cheering. And I'm like, oh. And I'm waiting for the famous public address announcer, the voice I've heard all these years. And he goes, <clears throat> yell goal scored by number 24, Michael Doherty, assisted by oh. number 19, right? And I'm like, okay, here we go. Assisted by number 19, Jimmy Vesey. What? Doherty from Vesey at 9.01. 19 on Harvard was Jimmy Vesey. He announced the wrong 19. Unbelievable. A couple minutes later, he said, correction on the previous yell goal. Dorty from Anthony Day. Dorty from Day. So he fixed it. But, um, yeah, the, the whole point is I got to watch Please my brother. At least they fixed it. Yeah, I got to watch my brother play at Madison Square Garden on the famous ice. So pretty cool story there. Amazing. I love, I love how much you, you appreciate it, too. Yeah. just that's, uh, that, that's the way to be. Yeah, magical event and night. And the jersey that the team gave him framed and everything is from that game that's the one that they gave him so is that the picture well you, you got you guys is that 2014 no um i oh. could send you a picture just of the jersey that he wore that night they gave him in a frame we did take a picture together outside of uh the garden um together uh that night as well and anthony and i took one in the garden the night before but um yeah beautiful plenty of uh moments from that weekend captured but that's the garden. We'll talk more about it. And it's crazy. You mentioned uh, the, the Barclays Center. That's uh, the garden right now. You know, we're recording this on a Thursday night. If for some reason I, you know, I had to go to the garden, I could just drive my car to Harrison. Ten minutes, boom, hop on the path train. Twenty-five minutes, I'm at the garden. Barclays Center, a little bit of pain in the ass. I'm not going to get into all of it. If I drove there for the Hall of Fame in 2019, and I saw the crew there. I think I might have saw one other one other thing there that's escaping me. Pain in the ass. Now, couldn't you just do the same thing, but then at Penn Station get on a different train? Get on, yeah, get on a different get on a different train. Yeah, but um, I, I didn't. I, that's the, the next time I'll do it that way. But yeah. uh, I drove there, and I, I don't I don't know why for the the three times I was there. The Hall of Fame, you know, I, I don't drink at that. So I mean, I just say you know, I'll just drive. Uh, you know, wrestling, I don't you know get wasted like the concerts, and I don't know what. You gotta ask Tim. I don't remember what he was up to. We we were back Tommy Lee's backstage party and shit at the crew there. I don't know if we had to be there a certain time. Whatever. This is this is the whole Colgan podcast, brother. Yeah, I've <laughs> been to the Garden for Rangers games, my brother's game, and a bunch of Pearl Jam shows. I think I've seen eight Pearl Jam shows there. So that's the Garden. Yep, at the Garden. Two thousand Barclay. Not Barclay. Barclay. Yet, no. They did play Barclay. One year, 2013, but I didn't go. God, it's uh, been there that long. Wow. Um, so I see them like there. there 2003, 
I think that did they open it or was that Green Day? I think it was Green Day. They didn't open it. The no, but it was yeah, early. It was, it, it was early in the run. Um, that's that's pretty early. Yeah, that might have been the first year, and the shows are like in October, um, if I remember it right. Let's see, Barclays opened. It opened the year before, so it's the second year of Barclays. 2012. Got yeah. got times flying by. It feels like yeah. I got, Hall of Fame was 2019, Crew was 2015, and I felt like a crew, like it was new. Maybe I haven't been there a third time. Maybe it's just those two. All right, well, let's get back on track. And this is always one of my favorite parts of the show. It's when I turn my mic down, sit back, relax, and turn the stage over to my friend Hollywood Dave Rollins, and he tells us where Hulk Hogan was in August of 1988. Go ahead, Dave. It's my time to shine like Scatman Crothers in The Shining. Summer 1988. A lot of people think that Hulk was filming No Holds Barred the whole time. You didn't see him until SummerSlam. You're kind of right. But there's a lot of stuff, little little stuff that sneaks in here that people may not know about. July 13th, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, 6500, a sellout, Superstars of Wrestling taping. Now this aired, this segment aired on July 30th, Saturday, July 30th. The Macho Man on a podium interview with Craig DeGeorge announcing his big secret surprise partner for SummerSlam had already been announced. They're taking on DiBiase and Andre, and there out comes the Hulkster to team up with the Macho Man and Elizabeth for SummerSlam. Now, in that same taping on July 13th, this one aired on the 813 WWF Superstars. The Macho Man Randy Savage with Hulk Hogan in his corner goes over Conquistador number one, Jose Luis Rivera. The next day, July 14th, it's a wrestling challenge taping in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, This one segment Hulk did airing on August 7th. Uh, The Mega Powers were on the Brother Love show. It's kind of a famous segment. Hulk chases Brother Love away. Brother Love was brand new to this world. At this time, uh, a couple weeks, no Hulk. Then finally, July 31st, it was a Sunday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was WrestleFest at the County Stadium, 25,866. They used only half the stadium. It's a cool look. Uh, kind of reminds me of the uh, the old Chase Stadium shows with Andre and Hulk and Bruno and Sabisco. It's, it's a different kind of look for this for uh, this era of the WWF. Uh, Hulk Hogan goes over Andre the Giant in the steel cage match. There, their one and only cage match. At WrestleFest, later released on Coliseum Video. Uh, August 2nd, Hulk returns to more TV for the Wrestling Challenge taping in Dayton, Ohio. 8,000 people. Hulk has a match. This is his first match back. I'm sorry, it's not his first match back besides WrestleFest. Hogan goes over King Haku. This aired an international wrestling challenge, which means we did not see it here. Uh, the next day, 8-3 on Superstars of Wrestling taping. Wheeling, West Virginia, 7,200 sellout. In a dark match, Hulk Hogan goes over Bad News Brown. And then um, Craig DeGeorge interviews the Mega Powers, aired on August 27th. And then August 7th, this is the one, Steve, I was telling you about. Greensboro, North North Carolina at the Coliseum. The Mm. first ever, first ever WWF show in this arena. I was going to say WCW country there. Drawing only 3,670 fans. It has just about a full-size arena. And listen to this main event. Hulk Hogan against Andre the Giant. That's crazy to me. Now, you're telling me now these people over there didn't buy the LJN dolls in Kmart? They had to be there. You're te- they didn't see Saturday Night's main event on NBC. I don't know what the syndication was like over there at this time. So maybe they didn't know about it. But, I mean, where the LJ they loved NWA so much was all these merchandise shelf-warming it just makes no sense to me. Like I, I just in, not, not, in 84, 85, I can see it. But by 88, 
it's what do you think about that? It's just it's hard for me to swallow. It's brutal. What a bunch yeah. of jabronis. It but just, I'll yeah, give them credit for loyalty, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I think maybe the syndication was a problem. Was the problem? You know, if they, you know, people don't have cable for USA and they don't plug really plug these shows. Yeah, they didn't promote it there anyway. To, yeah. I, that's got to be it because all you know the stores had to have all the little figures and all whatever. Uh, then finally, uh, August twenty eighth in Toronto. Maple Leaf Gardens, 15,000, Hulk Hogan over Bad News Brown. And then we end up August 29th in New York City at the Garden. Mega Powers, Mega Bucks. That's it for me this week. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to read the news, and then we're going to get into it. The whole card, we're going to grade every match. Uh, Then, of course, we'll go blow by blow for the Hulk and Andre, uh, Savage and DiBiase tag. And then uh, we'll do a rating as well. And then we still got a whole bunch of stuff in a segment after that. So a lot to do left tonight. Let's take a break. Dave, we'll be right back. Okay. Welcome to New York City and welcome to Madison Square Garden, the site of some of sports and entertainment's greatest events of all time. And here we are in this site for the World Wrestling Federation's SummerSlam 88. Four inch podcast back, Dave Rollins and Steve Bennett. It's SummerSlam 1988, which I cannot wait to talk about. But, Dave, before we do that, we've got to read the news. All right, Dave, August 1st, 1988, the start of an unbelievable run that just ended. Rush Limbaugh begins his national radio show. Wow. Wow. August 1st, 1988, and it went right through his cancer treatments, and it's now Buck Sexton and Clay Travis have taken over that spot, and they're about one month in, I believe. But How about that? Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, I was I'm never I was never a big political radio guy. Um obviously if I listened to it it was rush. Um but usually I wanted to rock or listen to sports. Mm-hmm. Usually. Of course. Um uh, let's see what else happened here. Uh August 3rd, Dave's friend Skip Storch swims 246 kilometers of the Hudson River from Albany to New York City. Well, let me tell you something Skip Storch. I got a friend Dave Martone, I don't know if he's listening, that rode across the Passaic River on a keg of beer. All right. That's it's, a true story. It's kind of like Mariano Rivera coming to the United States on like a, a milk carton or something through shark Yeah, somebody, had, somebody had to go pick him up in Nork. Yeah. We floated from Carney to Nork. Uh, <laughs> August 4th, Congress votes uh, $20,000 to each Japanese American interned in World War II. Uh, also on August fourth, Hertz Car Rental will pay out twenty three million in a customer, a consumer fraud case. I always knew Hertz is a bunch of fraud, 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 murder, yeah. anything else. 
You know, yeah, the 21st San Diego Comic Con International opened at the Omni Hotel. I think, I, I think this has come up before. I'm just going to say I that. They love Comic Con. Besides the movie, the nerds, I didn't know if nerds went back that far. But <laughs> Comic Con is certainly not nerds anymore because, you know, the wrestlers are there. Because what, what I think is not nerdy isn't nerdy, but everything else is. Of course. Yeah, uh, of course. August 6th, Goose Gossage comes the second Major League Baseball player to record 300 career saves as the Cubs beat the Phillies 7-4. to I remember from the batting cages, um, you put it on Goose Gossage, and it would, like, fucking fly out. That was the, the heat. That was the, the heat. Ball. Ball. I, was, yeah. I was bringing the heat, man. I was pretty good at the batting cages. Yeah, August 6th, Oakland A's outfielder Jose Canseco <laughs> becomes the 11th Major League Baseball player to record 30 home runs and 30 steals in a season. Later that year, Dave, he would become the first baseball player to record Record this many home runs and steals in a season. What number is that? Oh, what was uh, what was the first one? So, on August sixth, he becomes the eleventh player to record thirty home runs oh, and thirty steals. Thirty. Then, later in the year, he becomes the first player to do what in terms of homers and steals? Sixty. Forty forty club. Ah, oh, okay. He was he was he was a big name this this summer. He was like the huge. Oh yeah, right? yep. The yeah. Bash brothers, Everywhere. him and McGuire. Oh yeah, the A's were the big team. They had went to the. Um, they're about to go to the World Series in eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety. Yeah, they're a big team. Um, August seventh, the Writers Guild ends its six month strike. Uh, of course, you remember they had one what in two thousand eight, or whatever. That was miserable when that was going on. Yeah. Um, August seventh, Angola, Cuba, and South. Africa sign a ceased fire treaty. Uh, good for them. Very good. Uh, let's see what else. The Duchess of York gives birth to a six pound, 12 ounce baby girl. No name, just Ooh. baby girl. Congratulations. Yep. Nice weight. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon would say it was 20 pounds, uh, you know, 10, eight ounces. A huge, 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 huge trade in the world of ice hockey. August 9th, the Edmonton Oilers trade Wayne Gretzky to the Los Angeles Kings. Oh. Now, essentially, wow. they sold Wayne Gretzky to the Kings um, for $20 million. Did they go to the bank with Slick and Bobby Heenan? Yes. Yep. The Oilers would not take a check. They wanted cash. Um, but essentially, it was a sale. Uh, and then Gretzky had the famous press conference where he had the had the tears, um, but yeah, it was actually um, the first thirty for thirty was about this trade. And that's I re- for if anybody's listening to this show for the first time, first time I know shit about sports. I know the big names. I watch football on Sundays by kind of watching like a girl, just there for the you know for the party. But uh, I always relate Wayne Gretzky to um, the Kings. That you know that that's where I remember. Right, and the, is- o- the Oilers is the main right, the main team. And also, if you didn't know, Dave had no idea that he played for the Rangers. No idea. No, not a, now I do. Not <laughs> one was, idea in the world. So he was traded to the Kings along with two other players. So not only did they send Gretzky, but they also sent Mike Krushelinski and Marty McSorley. And in return, they got center Jimmy Carson, first-round draft choice Martin Jelena, first-round picks in 89, 91, and 93, and the money, which is really what the Oilers were after. Um. Now, Gretzky never won a cup in L.A. He came close. 
1993 when they lost to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but two years later in 1990, uh, the Oilers did win a cup without him. Uh, Mark Messier uh, led the Oilers over Boston in 1990 to a cup. Kind of an interesting. Tim game. won a uh, Stanley Cup once in his lifetime, the Paul Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, it, it had lipstick around the uh, the edges. Congratulations, Tim! Very proud of you. Yeah. August 9th, the Cubs beat the Mets six to four. And why is this a significant game? It's the first night game at Wrigley Field. They did not have a night game in Wrigley Field until 1988. That's hard to believe. That's a beautiful. So Ferris Bueller, brother, and Cameron, and that hot ass chick—I can't yep. remember her name yep. right now—had nowhere to go at night. No games. No at night, games at night. That's why they had to skip school. Sloan. Yeah, that's exactly. Yep, that that's, makes sense. That's why they had to skip school. They want to see a game. If if if, if Ferris Bueller has all American parents, America's pastime, brother. It's all he would have had to tell them instead of you know making a dummy to sleep in bed and all this kind of stuff with the great Ed Rooney. He was a trickster, <laughs> that Ferris. Yes. Uh, August eleventh, the Charlotte Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, opens. I wonder if we'll ever have to uh, get deep into the. Uh, into the um, woods on that arena, maybe. That's good. WC, man, Nitro would have to be, probably. Oh, this isn't good. On August 11th, Al-Qaeda was formed at a Ooh. meeting between Osama bin Laden and two other jabronis in Pakistan. Uh, not cool. But that reminds me, happy birthday uh, birthday week to the star of our show, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, happy birthday, Hulk. August 11th. Huh? I don't know why Al-Qaeda reminded you of that, but... August 11th. <laughs> uh <laughs> And you take him down, brother. Muhammad Hussein. What the hell was that? Was who that was? Both took care of him. August thirteenth, the Boston Red Sox win an AL record twenty-four straight home games at their home stadium of uh, Fenway Park. There you go. August thirteenth, the Palace of Auburn Hills opens in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Yeah, Detroit. Um, let's see what else. Nineteen ninety World Cup soccer. Uh, the U.S. beats Jamaica 5-1. Good job by the boys there. John Candy, I hear, in turns is in Jamaica's corner. Yeah, he went on to really be a legendary figure there in terms of bobsledding, Dave. True. Uh, April, or excuse me, August 15th, New York City begins a $70 million program to rebuild 900 Bronx apartments. Uh, and eventually Dave would actually live in one of those Bronx apartments uh, during his college years. Yeah, the boogie down Bronx. You know, I'm more of a Brooklyn guy. I'm more, you know, the disco dancing, disco inferno, Hollywood Dave Rollins, disco duck, whatever you want to call me. But those days are long behind me. Now, a sad day on August 16th for Hollywood Dave is his job was taken away by Mayor Koch, who announced his plans to wipe out street corner windshield washers. Um, I remember, yeah, you know, street, God. You saying that I forgot, totally forgot about that. But I remember any time like driving through, I'm right here, you know, Newark, yeah, New York City. They would just come, you know what I mean? They they they, they would be nice about it, but it would be like as a little kid looking up, like a little scary, you know, like looking at these guys with no teeth and stuff. And something, you know, eventually, like all right, you know, throw them a buck. Then like after you have the next light, and here comes another one. It's, you know, how far can you go with this shit? Thank you, Mister Koch. I used to think Scotch tape when I was a little kid. Had something to do with Mayor Koch. That just entered my, Mayor my mind. Mayor Koch too. invented Scotch Mayor Koch tape. tape. Yeah. August like, 17th. Like Scotch meant nothing else. Just that. The Long Island Railroad says that Penn Station will get air conditioning in 1991. 
Now, what the hell does that do for people in 1988? Like, yeah, go fuck yourself. 1991, <laughs> who knows if I'll even be here. It's really going to take that fucking long to put air conditioning yeah. in? Just yeah, get one of the ones for the window. It, you get it in there here tomorrow. We'll have yeah. for, for, for the month of September. What the Jeez. fuck? Uh, August 17th, the U.S. Republicans nominate George H.W. Bush for president. And mm. eventually in November, he will become president. And throw up on national television, I believe. Uh, August 18th, the FDA proves minoxidil as a hair loss treatment. Dave, you... Uh, Watch it, brother. You uh, do some Rogaine yourself over there, Dave? No comment. All right. Uh, August 18th, more from the Republican convention. It's in New Orleans, and uh, Quayle, Dan Quayle is announced as uh, Bush's running mate. Uh, let's see. August 19th, the New York Rangers sign X Montreal Canadian. Great. Guy. What? Guy. His last Guy. name is Montreal Canadian. Great. His last name means flower in French. Guy. Uh, Goulet. La Fleur. Well, same thing. Uh, August 20th. Ooh, a bad one. 6.5 earthquake strikes near India and Nepal. Thousands are killed. Horrible. August 20th, more natural disasters. Black Saturday of the Yellowstone Fire in Yellowstone National Park. Wait a minute. Black Saturday was in 1984 in WTBS. No, no, no. no. This was in Black Saturday when Yogi Bear lost his picnic basket, Dave. Oh, Yogi Bear. Good man. Uh, Let's see. What else do we got? August 22nd. This is a great show. NBC premieres later with... Hey, no, later. Yep, later. David Letterman, Bob no, Costas. Oh, okay. Letterman was on after Johnny Carson. What was that called? Um, the Late, late Show. The, the whatever. Late, late and then show. Conan took Late Late Show. Okay. Later. Cost, the same channel. Yeah, NBC. So it must have been real. Must have been really late. Yeah, it was a half an hour show. I believe the first guest was Linda Ellerby, and he would have um, guest hosts sometimes. And the night that Howard Stern was booked. Uh, it wasn't Costas. It was uh, Tom Snyder, I believe. No, okay. He had a show, too, I think, on CBS after Letterman in the 90s. A little uh, boring. August 23rd, Mike Tyson and Mitch Green brawl at 4 a.m. in Harlem. And this is a hilarious story in Tyson's Jeez. book where he talks about how this guy, he doesn't know what he was on, but he was like a zombie. And Tyson's like, I killed this guy six times. And he would get up and just come back for more and more. He's like, I couldn't. Knock him out. I wonder what that felt like in the morning. Yeah. No Pedialyte's going to help that one, brother. Yeah, yeah that was a, quite the hangover the next day, right? Yeah, Tyson, uh, hot to trot in 1988 for sure. That's Aug- the name. August 27th, Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda wins his 1,000th game. And how he didn't have a heartburn. Also on that day, the 40th Emmy Awards, the big winners, Dave, 30-something, the Wonder Years, and Richard hmm. Kiley. Okay, I wonder. I thought the Wonder Years like started like around '88. That's new show, maybe. Already, yeah, new show. Yeah, that's that's quick. It's a quick turnaround. Who knows? Thirty something. I know. I definitely know the name, but it's kind of like a was like a very adult like adult show for. Like, we didn't watch that shit. Whatever it was. Yeah, I um definitely know the name though. Did you have, did you have a favorite show? Um, in like Yeah, whatever. What did you watch in '88? Uh, Girl, Growing Pains by far was my favorite, but. My all-time favorite is Different Strokes. That was done by 88. was on reruns on Channel 5, 5 o'clock every night. Those are my two. So My two go-to. The Wonder Years won Outstanding Comedy Series, beating Cheers, Frank's Place, The Golden Girls, and Night Court. And 
the first season of the show was in January of 88. So by August of 88, they're already winning awards. So quick turnaround, like you said. Yeah, that's a great show. Wonder Years is a great show. I don't remember it in syndication, though. If, you know, after school, it had to be. Because of the music, I, I think. It's hard to... I, I, think, I think it was, but I just don't remember it like, like as clearly as the other ones. But maybe you're right. 30-something beat Beauty and the Beast, Law, L.A. Law, uh, The Rumple of the Bailey, and St. Elsewhere for Outstanding Drama Series. Uh, let's see. Beauty and the Beast, that's like a soap opera, right? Uh, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series was Michael J. Fox. Uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, won that uh, for Family Ties, which I think was kind of my uh, show. That, 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 yeah, that's probably, you know, Grown Pants, Different Strokes, my favorite, but Family Ties is, is is right there. You know, like Full House a little later on. Like Three's Company was an older show, but I loved it. See the syndication. Uh, Bay, you know. Bay author for Dorothy wins the Golden Girls Outstanding Lead Actress in a, in a comedy series. And Golden Girls is my grandpa Paula's favorite show. And awesome. I have so many memories of just watching the Golden Girls with my grandma Paula back in the day. So that's cool. She, B. Arthur's older than uh, her mother, right? Estelle. Yeah. Her name. Yep. Yeah. Who, that's crazy. I was just listening to Stern today, an old Stern, and they were talking about how she had come down with dementia, which was ironic since her character on the show um, sort of came in and out of dementia. But um, yeah, that was the uh, 40th Emmy Awards. Uh, let's That's an see. iconic, iconic theme, obviously. Cup, couple, uh, to that show. Couple more here, and we'll get out of here. Um, August thirty first, a five day power blackout of downtown Seattle uh, begins, uh, and it mm. was a really big news because uh, Seattle rock musicians were without their amplifiers, uh, and that's when acoustic uh, grunge became a thing in this five day period. <laughs> I believe Pearl Jam's Stone Gossard wrote "Footsteps" uh, during this time on his acoustic guitar. Uh, there and, you go. And finally, August 31st, a bomb attack on the office of the South Africa Council of Churches. How dare they? Yeah, Colonel De Beers. And then, Dave, is a bonus the next day, September 1st, 1988, in Buffalo, New York, a young, handsome, strapping lad named Steve Bennett celebrated his eighth birthday at Pup Hut. With, with, with visions of Miss Elizabeth's red panties. In his head, it's probably all they could think about. Spent the whole day in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Telling, all, telling all my buddies at well, Putt Putt during the closest that's coming to the whole. Up. That's coming up. Closest to the whole contest. Oh, you should have seen Elizabeth. <laughs> all right, Dave. That's the news for August of 1988. All right. all right, Dave. That brings us to SummerSlam 1988. You know, I was just thinking in my head. We have a, a, a sound effect drop for the start of the news. I think we need one for the end of the news. Hmm. Like something like that. Like something, a, yeah, something. Like, remember Kermit the Frog on Sesame Street? What, what was that? He had that was really. I can't remember what it was. Uh, email with Kermit the Frog or no, email your suggestions wait. to fourinchpodcast yeah. at gmail dot com. How should we get out of the news? Kermit the Frog. This is a breaking news with Kermit the Frog, and it'd be like this serious music on Sesame Street. Somebody must know. August 29th, nineteen eighty eight. It's a Monday. New York City, New York, Madison Square Garden. The attendance. Is a sellout, twenty thousand people. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, Gorilla Monsoon is on commentary uh, with superstar Billy Graham and Bobby Heenan makes an appearance during the Dino Bravo versus Don Morocco match. George, George, Gene Okerlund and Sean Mooney are handling announcers in the back. You got Howard Finkel on the mic and matches refed this night by Earl Hebner, Joey Morella, Tim White, and 
Oh, you're asking me? Uh, which ref didn't you say? Uh, you said you said Hampner. It's Dave's not reference. It's Earl. You said Joey Morella. You said Tim White. Alfonso wasn't there yet. Um, Danny Davis was a wrestler. Everyone's screaming at, at you time. right now. Everyone's screaming at you right now, Dave. Oh, so, so, oh Jesse the Body Jesse Ventura. the Body Ventura. <laughs> Jesse the Referee Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No dark matches, at least that I know of. Uh, and we start out. Uh, the night with the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid, uh, versus the fabulous Rougeau brothers, Jacques Rougeau and Raymond Rougeau. And they go a 20-minute time limit draw. And I do like this match. I do. Good match. Um, you know, uh, it's sort of um, clouded in this whole controversy of the Bulldogs and the and the um, Rougeaus and everything that happens backstage between them. I, I was looking for any that. stiff shots, and maybe what this is what started it. Because yeah. all that happened in October, so I thought maybe that this uh, this might have led to it. But I, I didn't I didn't catch anything. The match the match was really good. Yeah, and you know what? Before I, I guess we should just say um, that this is the, obviously the third of the four major pay per views to debut, right? So. Um, well, depends well, okay. on how you, how look, you at look at it. But here, let me go through it real quick. So, WrestleMania starts in 85. Uh, this is why there's a gray area, right? January of 88 is the first Royal Rumble, but it's not technically a pay-per-view. It airs on USA, becomes a pay-per-view yeah. in January of 89. Yeah, so Survivor Series can, came before that, too. Right, and Survivor 82. Series is in November of 87. Uh, and then this, why I said third, because I kind of wasn't counting Rumble, which kind of comes... In 89, if you look at it that way. But in terms of the big four pay-per-views, um, I guess this is either third or fourth, depending on how you depends. count. It all depends. I, it, no one's wrong. How you, count, how you look at it. How you count the Rumble. Event-wise, it's fourth. Pay-per-view-wise, it's third. Right. Um, but but if you count the Wrestling Classic, my man, I'm just kidding. Right. Or the big <laughs> event. Well, that wasn't on pay-per-view. Yeah, should have been. Should Really should have. Imagine that would have had a crazy buy rate with Hulk and Orndorff. A huge, huge crowd. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, anybody, yeah, anybody that had pay per view would have bought that one. All right. So again, the first match: British Bulldogs, David Boy Smith, and Dynamite Kid. It's twenty minutes. It's a little long. I do like it. Um, I love to watch Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith wrestle in this era. Um, I don't know that it's my favorite match of them. I know it's not, but it is good to watch them kind of get to spread their legs out and work the full twenty. It's the longest match in the card. It's a good start, and it and it kind of establishes the crowd who's great and kind of with them all the whole match. Um, and there's some good hysteria at the end, and then, you know, the bell rings, and it's a draw. And I remember being so bummed out when the bell rang. Oh, they ran out of time. I just remember that as a kid. Right after that move I loved yeah. when Davey pressed yep. the dynamite. I can't get enough of that move. They just couldn't quite get enough time to win. But uh, for me, it's a solid Two point seven five stars. I'll give it maybe three in in that range. What do you think, Dave? I give it three. I love uh, the uh, the Rujo's uh, subtle heel heel turn. Doesn't, not till September TV is Jimmy Hart take over them, but they were you know they jumped. I believe it was the Young Stallions or the Bees. They jumped them in a face match, and then you know started with the little American flags and all that stuff. And they're healing it up. They're healing it up to the to the crowd at the Garden tonight. Uh, Raymond's doing the little strut and stuff, and you, you could just tell. I mean, they weren't full fledged. I guess they were full fledged heels, but you know, with Jimmy Hart was, was the stamp of approval, and that that comes right, you know right immediately after this. 
And, um, I, you know, I just thought I love the slow, slow build instead of just boom, hitting you all at once with something. And I thought, I thought the match was, was well face in peril. Uh, I think dynamite and Davy boy were both in that position. And for the first match of the card, we cannot not mention the commentary, how different this is than any other yeah. big WWF match that we have. But actually I like it. I, I just, I'm, I'm amused by it. It just, it's, it's just so different. And superstar, he, he's not like talking like, I mean, I know him for announcing already from the televised house shows, the garden and stuff, but the main audience in the United States don't see that. Oh, you know what? They might have seen it on prime time, but whatever. This is still for everybody. This is his, you know, only time. I remember it being a big <laughs> but, shock to me at the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess who, I mean, Jesse's not going to leave, I guess not going to just leave the booth for the last match. It kind of kills his, it would kill his pop coming out. I mean, I guess he could have had Alfred. It would have been a little bit of more of the uh, and maybe you, know, you use Gene. Yeah, I mean Gene's got it at this point. Gene, I think, so had, established, uh, throwing yeah. the towel in on that. I guess they use superstar. He was doing the house shows all summer, and uh, he's a star. You know, he's a name. But the way he announces, he almost doesn't announce like he's a big star. He almost announces like kind of like he's just like some guy, like some like regular guy that's like old but kind of cool. He's like up on more stuff than Gorilla is. Like, see, he called some. He called the Anvil ZZ Top. Later in the card, and you know, Gorilla doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a little cooler, you know, <laughs> but just the brothers, you know, and he doesn't say brother like Hulk, he's brother, you know, like, and then he would say something, 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 brother, <laughs> then comma, something, 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 Gorilla Monsoon, my main man, <laughs> over and over. And, uh, it, 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 be, it becomes hysterical. I know some people have counted all the brothers. I can't do that. They count never just Gorilla. No Genos, no plain old Gorilla. Gorilla Monsoon every time. I love it. I can't help it. I love it. It's different, and I love it. Well, I remember my dad being really pissed that Jesse wasn't doing it. My dad loved Jesse. And having to explain to him ten times, Jesse's in the main event. He couldn't do it. My dad didn't want to hear that. They did do it a Saturday. Your dad might have saw the Saturday Night's main event where he was at, Jesse was in a six-man with Piper and Orton against the Hillbillies. Yep. And he didn't, he didn't fill in. Yep. Jesse came back to the booth. But I guess by, by this point, they were a little more, you know, they're not going to do something like that. And th- th- I think that would have, would, you know, would have hurt. I don't know if it would have hurt the pop, but v- the way Vince thinks, I, I don't think that was uh, the main, you know, you're not going to see the main event guys out, you know, out in the crowd before uh, before the main event. So my thing so, I wanted yeah. to mention was that um, I had this on tape as a kid and then I lost it after a while and then I would run it once in a while. And then I also had 90 and 91 on tape, and I had those for a long time. Then there was this long stretch where I didn't kind of lost touch of those. And I got the cooler for my birthday. You know, the cooler that came oh, out? Oh, yes, yes, I right? do, yeah. And that day that I got it and I put this in, it was such a shock to hear them. And for, <laughs> for a while, I, I'd never watched 88 because I just didn't want to hear him. Now, recently – Maybe say when the network came or whatever, and I watched it again. It doesn't bother me as much. I don't know why. He's grown it's on comical. me a little bit. Yeah. If he was there again at Survivor Series, he's like, all right, fuck this, enough. You know what I mean? But just for this one thing, you know what I mean? To, to watch it back now in retrospect. It gives it a little character, I guess. It's, it's what's character. unique about it. Yeah, it's, it's it is different. disappointing in retrospect that there isn't even one SummerSlam that's Jesse and Gorilla. You know. I mean, is there any other former world champions of that level that have become a commentator, like a, a regular commentator? Well, Bruno. That was for the year of 88. Oh, my God. Of course, yeah. Bruno. 
Yeah, he would have been worse. <laughs> yeah. Top, top yeah. six superstar. Yeah, yeah, Bruno and superstar. So after the Bulldog and Rujos, we get the angle. They show us the Beefcake injury. Brutus Beefcake was injured tragically in a match. He had cut the hair, and you know what? As a kid, I said, I knew this was going to catch up to him eventually. I knew as a kid he was going to piss someone off by fucking up their hair like that. I just well, knew Jesse it. Tell- yes. And it was uh, Ron Bass who had had enough and got the spurs out and put the spurs to his face. And it was so graphic, they had to put a big, giant red X. The big old red X. And he deserved it even more, Steve, because you, I don't know if you know this, the week before on Superstars, Outlaw finished his match, and Beefcake came in and took his hat and cut up his, his cowboy hat. So that gave him even more incentive to come out there. The, the day, you know, in, in kayfabe, the day before your big, two days before your big Intercontinental match, and take Brett and Bart the Spurs and carve up a little Brutus Beefcake head there. And, um, yeah, he misses his match. Yeah, so the announcement's made that there will be an Intercontinental title match. We'll get more into that later. All right. Second match, Bad News Brown defeats Ken Patera. 6-33. Um, Bad News Brown goes over pretty hard here. You know, he's in New York. Uh, he's presented very strong. Uh, he had won the... Um, the Battle Royal in, at WrestleMania, um, kind of memorably by turning on Brett. Uh, and, phenomenal. And there, this match, you know, it's it's nothing great or anything that memorable. It's a one and a half stars for me. Uh, but I will say that they did a great job just continuing to make bad news look like bad news and very tough. And like Jake... And a couple other guys, he had the move that if you took a ghetto blaster, it's over. And uh, yeah, that's man. what happened here. Patera got caught in a ghetto blaster, and it was over. So Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened to, to old Kenny Patera. When, when he, he was great as a heel, one of the great heels, cutting Andre's hair, Intercontinental Champion, all that kind of good stuff. He comes back in 87, you know, with, with the whole, you know, sold me down the river, Heenan, Weasel, and he break, you know, puts the belt around Heenan's neck. On, on the you know on the superstars yep. and Heenan's got to wear it and Ken looked good he looked he had his old singlet on he looked good all of a sudden out of nowhere he starts I'm not even trying to be funny looking like Richard Simmons that his gear looks like something Richard Simmons is wearing his hair his legs like like I can't get I can't get behind this guy anymore like what the hell like bad news is gonna eat this the way he looks is gonna eat this guy apart like there's there's no chance and and that's what happened I have no idea why his, his look. Uh, changed so drastically in 1988. Uh, Kempatera, one of the all-time greats, he was certainly on his way out, and Bad News was on his way up, uh, getting ready to have work house shows with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. We all know Miss Elizabeth did favors for Jack Tunney, and Bad News knows right. that as well. Yep. And uh, and um, yeah, man, this is just a showcase uh, to get Bad News over. Uh, Kenny's on his way out the door. I think he, you know, he has a couple more months of putting guys over. And goodbye for him. But that look on, on Patera is just, it, it's just brutal to me, being the way how great he looks. Yeah, he kind of looks like a female prior. gym teacher or something. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you see that that meme on Facebook? It's the, the hot chick teachers now, and there's, like, a picture of the Ultimate Warrior wearing Oakleys and an IOU sweatshirt. You know, gym teachers when I was a kid is <laughs> that picture. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if I gave the first match. Uh, I gave the first match three stars. And I give uh, this match one star just for showcasing bad news. And bad news is about to go on to good news for his uh, pocketbook to go work with Hogan the Savage on the house shows. Well, we know that Vince McMahon is a legendary wrestling promoter. And in the summer 
of 88, he decided that he would become a boxing promoter. Uh, and for the first time in many times tonight, we get the first uh, promotion for Sugar Ray Leonard's match versus Lalande, um, however you say it, I don't know, the other guy. Donnie Lalande. Lalande, right? yeah, Lalande, yeah. I think is right. Lalande, Lalande, whatever, Lalande. Uh, but, yeah, so it's in Atlantic City. It's November 7th. So Vince is going to promote two pay-per-views that month in November Survivor Series and this. The first of many times. Uh, next up, a Mega Powers promo in the back with Mean Gene. Uh, everybody looks great. Cool graphic behind Gene. Not bad. All right, next up. You can tell the, you tell the green screen is new. Yeah, it looks great. Time. looks great. Give it kind of a Saturday Night's Main Event feel to it with the logos. Definitely. and I liked it. All right, next up, Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan defeats the Junkyard Dog by disqualification. Uh, six minutes and 18 seconds. What happens is uh, Rick Rude goes to the top rope and pulls down his pants a little bit to reveal Cheryl Roberts. And out of nowhere, um, Heat, brother. Jake comes running down and gets in and starts beating him up. And I like the point in the match when Fink announces the win and Jake, uh, Junkyard Dog's pissed off at Jake. You know, and Jake kind of knows it too. And it's just a cool... Little professional, touch. yeah. Real... If it was now, they'd be hugging because yeah. they chased off the heel. Yeah, it was a real good little touch. Jump guard wanted hey, to man, win. Hey man, what the fuck are you doing? You just yeah. cost me my match. You cost like me he the, wasn't that the that winner's purse because he gets it. He was yeah. like in the middle, like uh, what the fuck. But isn't it kind of crazy, like to think back in hindsight that the junkyard dog and the big boss man were on the same pay per view? It like seems like two different, completely different worlds, you know, uh, colliding here. This is JYD. This is his last last ride. He did, you know, he did a few more. Uh, house shows but it's, it's hard to even remember him or uh, even for me being around at this time but you know obviously he is he never lost his pop especially in the garden absolute legend you know one of the best dave Meltzer shits on him i shit on dave Meltzer. how about that uh you know this is not much of a match it's just to showcase the uh jake and rude feud yeah i gave it on. 1.1.25 for me i'll agree i'll go right along with you but what people don't understand Jake and Rude, the big feud with Cheryl Roberts, the whole thing, everybody knows it was on the road. So they didn't, they sold the pay-per-view with the mega powers and mega bucks. They don't need to blow off Jake and Rude. They blew, they'll blow it off Saturday night's main event in a, in a month or two. It was still going on the road. So this is how they did it then. It's not like, you know, SummerSlam in 2000, whatever, three, where every feud is, is featured. It just, it just wasn't that way then, but people just will never, understand that no matter how many times we say it you said it perfectly they sold the pay-per-view on the main event and then during the pay-per-view they sold tickets to the house shows around the circuit how how jake ran in like saying okay you know when i watch superstars on saturday they're gonna say jake and rude are coming to my local armory my local coliseum and i'm gonna go because and i went i went there you go i got tickets to see the that run i think hulk uh wrestled Bad news, maybe? I don't Probably know. bad news. Yeah, they had bad that news. The Meadowlands, that's yeah. that same thing. And uh, it goes back to WrestleMania 1 with the whole... I mean, I would have loved to have seen Tito and Valentine, but that was the reason why they did That was the exact reason why they didn't wrestle. Funny, JYD was involved with that, too. Yep. Yeah, uh, just the way it was. All like right. it or not. We go it. to the back, and Honky Tonk is with Gene, and he says that he's the greatest of all time. And uh, look at Beefcake got a break not having to wrestle him. Uh, but the fans came to hear him sing. The fans came to see him wrestle. He's the greatest of all time, and he'll he'll face anyone, anyone. And Gene warns him, maybe not a good idea, but 
He's not hearing it. He'll face anybody. Uh, next up is a tag match. Um, and it's the Powers of Pain, the Barbarian and the Warlord with the Baron, uh, Dave. Uh, James Donald Raschke. Baron Von Raschke from yep. AWA. Yep, he's the Baron. Just in for a half a cup of coffee. Yep. Not even a full one. Maybe an iced coffee. They defeat the Bolsheviks. Of course, Boris Zukov from our episode a few times Friend ago. Friend of ours. And Nikolai Volkov was slick, 527. Um, look, at they really want the Powers of Pain to be the faces to challenge Demolition. Um, but it doesn't work out, and they pivot, obviously, at Survivor Series. But this match is made to be a showcase for them. And I remember, no offense to Zukov, but I just remember thinking during it that, man, I wish Sheiky Baby was here because oh yeah, there was just something about you know, they're former champions, you know, Sheik and Volkov. And that just felt would have been better, I think. But, you know. You ready for this? Goddamn Jersey Troopers, you know. so He was around Summer of 88, Sheiky Baby. He was on the house shows. He did like one or two superstars. Yeah, talent, they were just kind of easing him back, right? That's when the whole, yeah, the yeah. easing him back. And that's the whole Gennetti story with the with the cocaine when he tested, I, when he tested positive. And he thought a positive was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they let him go again. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get enough of that. Jeanette, he tells him, like, every shoot interview, and it gets, it gets better and better every time. Um, <laughs> I'll give this one star, um, but barely. Yeah, uh, star and a half for me. It was better than I thought. I don't remember much about it because it's kind of like even when I was eight years old, I'm like, all right, these guys are going to run over these guys. I was probably getting a, a new Coke from the refrigerator or something. But um, – uh, I thought the Barbarian, as I watched it now, made a really good face. You know, with his flying around the sure. ring and little dance he did after war- afterwards. I'm a Warlord fan, but I don't think he makes a good face. Why they did the switch? I did de- they gave Demolition, when the Piledriver album came out, before Demolition won the belts, they gave them face music. That's yeah, face the, music. The reason That's they, not heel music. The reason they did the switch is because everyone wanted to cheer Demolition. It was, yeah, it was because, over. I think because of the music. The, original the music, music is had, unbelievably had, good. Yeah, it had no lyrics and it was slower. It was heel music, yep. but they sped up the li- sped up the music and put Rick Derringer singing. And they gave him a kick-ass heavy metal guys. song. Guys, yeah, it's a kick-ass. yeah, but it's still heel. It's still face music. Sure, face music. And I guess that's that's why I, I, you can't have people wanting to be heels giving them a, you know a good a good guy theme. And um, yeah, I guess Demolition were just around the horn get getting the bigger pops, and they decided it was it over. It was over at Mania. I mean, they got a pop when they beat Strike Force, really. Yeah, they did. But they, when, they when, fought it for a little bit longer, you know. When we eventually do Survivor Series '88, I'll tell you how friggin' confused I was at that. I didn't know who was good. I thought Mr. Fuji turned good, like at first. Like it was so, it was so hard to get without like studying it. Yeah, I've defended it. We'll see what it'll be an interesting discussion when we get there. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, we get our first Survivor Series promo of the night. Uh, and then we come back to the ring, and it's all red, baby. Uh, Brother Love. Now, originally, the story goes, is that Brother Love was supposed to be with Ric Flair here. Um, but Ric Flair stayed where he was, didn't come. And Bruce Pritchard thought that meant he was out, but nope. That's... I, you know, I, it's so hard to buy that. Because the, the character-wise, DiBiase was so on top, the top heel in the company, it's Flair's gimmick and his. It's not the same, but it's similar. You know, it's, it's a little too well, maybe similar. Maybe that's why he stayed. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe I mean, didn't see a, room for him there. But I mean, Vince is never going to turn away talent. I know Ted was there in 91 when Flair came in. And guess what? What they do with DiBiase when Flair came in, they put him in a tag team. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, you know, they, they, we could be onto something. It's a sure. bit too too similar. And um, besides that, it was also rumored to be one of the evangelists. Uh, was it, What's that woman's name? Uh, I think she was in the surreal life. One of them. Tina uh, Fey? Or what? Not Tina Fey. One Faye, of them. Uh, uh, what's her name? Something like that. Um, Whatever. But yeah. And that fell through too. So we got... Uh, Good old hacksaw who was top three or four baby faces, Tammy not on the Tammy Tam- Faye. Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye. Mm. And then uh, hacksaw, who I thought was going to be um, when they announced the Brutus wasn't going to be in my eight-year-old hood. Okay, hacksaw's not on that card. It'll be hacksaw. He's he's a huge face besides Hogan and Savage. I think he's a number three face. Maybe Jake, three or four, three A and three B. Sure. And uh, yeah, so once you see hacksaw, maybe thought here hacksaw's going to announce. I'm fighting for the Intercontinental title tonight. Didn't do that. So, so what's going on? Yep. This is a little long to me. Um, I prefer the brother love from WrestleMania five, although that also gets a little long. Um, but yeah, you know. I, people hate that. I love it. I love WrestleMania. Yeah. I love WrestleMania five. It, it, it could have been five minutes less. Uh, um, but the hate on that is bullshit. Everybody in school, Loved it. Oh yeah, everybody oh, yeah. was talking about it. Oh hell yeah! It's all this re- revisionist history is 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 insane. Pe- people saying that, 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 that I don't know. And I still love I guess it. if I guess if you if you didn't watch it like we did at the time, you know, love Roddy Piper and everything. Be happy to have him back. It just I don't know. You look at it differently seeing it for the first time. I'd imagine. Uh, after this, it's another long boxing promo, and then this time Gorilla and the Superstar discuss the fight themselves. They're both really <laughs> looking forward to it. They're both good. Gorilla's obviously going to be gambling on it, which is all he cares about. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And then that leads us to the, I guess, the main event of the first half. The Ultimate Warrior uh, defeats the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart for the Intercontinental Championship in 31 seconds, officially. Um, Honky Tonk Man comes out first. He gets on the mic. He says, get anyone out here. A little bit of a delay. Then Warriors music hits. Gorilla recognizes that music, but he's not sure exactly what it is for some reason. Um, but of course, it's the Ultimate Warrior. I remember being a little disappointed. I don't know why. I was just never a big Ultimate Warrior guy. Um, I really wanted it to be Steamboat. You know, I'm not in the know at this time, obviously. About yeah, that makes sense. Where Steamboat is or who he works for or anything yeah. like that. Just in my mind, I really wanted it to be Steamboat. That Steamboat's gonna... he, he just he disappeared after WrestleMania four, but it wasn't like he wasn't on any any other TV yet or anything like right. that. I, I had no reason to believe that it couldn't be him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I thought it was going to be him, and uh, it wasn't, and I was bummed. Uh. And then, but you know, before you even really have a chance to react, it's over. So yeah. You know, I don't know. I'll give it. I mean, I'm not going to grade it. There's no point. I mean, it's not. It's not a gradable match. It's just, no. you know, NA, no no grade. But um, no Warrior goes over, and he's the champ. And at the end, a great, as much as it was disappointing for it to start right in front of me at the Memorial Auditorium in June of 87, and I cried my eyes out for 45 minutes uh, when it happened. You got to tip your hat to an unbelievable run over a year for the Honky Tonk Man with the IC belt. Still not matched oh. to this day. Ultimate heat, man. That's what it's yeah. all about. It's not about 
if he did 20 drop kicks and 85 false finishes. You, people went to the Boston Garden. People went to the Buffalo Municipal Auditorium. People went to the Meadowlands to see this guy get his ass kicked and lose his belt, and he never did. And people were pissed. And my reaction here, I thought it was probably going to be Hacksaw. My brain was starting to become a little more getting this stuff, you know. But, you know, by the time I was 9 or 10, I figured it all out. But by this time, I was, you know, I thought maybe it would be Hacksaw. Warrior runs out. And the way I thought of Warrior at this time, he was undefeated. But I just didn't see him, like, he had, like, kind of that Ted Arcidi effect. Like, he never lost, but he's not much. You know, like, he's just like, eh. He's there, but you know he's not going to lose. But he's going to beat a jobber. Even Warriors feud with Hercules just wasn't. Eh, but then that weasel suit stuff with Heenan over the summer. I think that's what maybe Vince saw. You know the crowds really started getting behind him, and he started becoming that version of the Ultimate Warrior we all know. And you know when he ran down, I had the same uh, reaction as you did. I'm like, look, this guy. He's he's you know he's he's tough. He never loses, but he's not like on this level like with the titles. Bing bang boom. Boom, okay, now he is on that level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just on, onwards. And I was never a big fan, but just, I actually like him more now, like, looking back. It's hard to explain. I think I always had a little bit of jealousy because, you know, Hulk, you know, even before the kids at school, Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, so annoying, you know? Like, nah, dude, relax. Yeah, I was never, never a fan. Yeah. I, my brother had the stupid pillow, and I'd always yeah. kick the shit out of that pillow. Mm-hmm. You know, for Christmas one year, I got Hulk, and he got Warrior. Yeah. And he did, and to me, it's like, you don't even like wrestling that much. Like, you're just a little fat piece of shit. No, I, mean, I love my brother Greg now, but at the time, it's like, you know, fuck him. Um, yeah, a lot of kids at school were, 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 were turncoats, and I think that's what kind of made me go against Warrior. But now, looking back now, you know, he's had a lot of a lot of classic matches and gets a lot of hate he doesn't, he doesn't deserve, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, my brother Greg was like three years old. It's like, you're getting a wrestling yeah. buddy? Like, come on, kid. I'm taking that over. <laughs> I'm taking that over, and I'm kicking that guy's ass like on the daily. Um, yeah. All right. Then Brutus gets. You know, Brutus loses this match. He has a great SummerSlam next year, team with Hulk against Zeus and Macho. Then the next year, finally, he's going to get the Intercontinental belt. Looks like, and he gets in that a bad day at big the beach. accident on the beach. Bad day yes. at the beach. Bad day at the beach. That's bad. that's the literal. That's where they named Bash at the beach. Eric yes. Bischoff was yeah. actually. It was it was on the beach with his wife. Yeah, he's like, that oh happened. wow, that's, that's a good name for a pay per view. <laughs> Bash at the beach. Uh, Regis is in the crowd. They get show Regis. Gotta love it. Uh, Hulkamania lives. Survivor Series promo with a pretty long set of eighty-seven highlights. They show a lot of highlights from the um, the Macho match, a few highlights from the big tag match, and then a few highlights from Hulk's as well. Uh, Gene interviews Sugar Ray, who right away lets us know that his kids aren't there because they have the mumps, um, which is a thought. Oh, my goodness. Just pretty hilarious. That didn't age well today. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, my kids can't be here at home with the mumps. <laughs> Mask up, brother. But uh, I think. Especially didn't age well with the garden. Yeah, yeah they survived. Uh, um, Gene interviews him. They go to some more boxing highlights. Then they go to a taped uh, interview with the jobber that he that he fights. Uh, and then they go back to Sugar Ray for more with Gene. And then... Yeah, I watched on Peacock, so I didn't get to see all this great stuff. Then one of my favorite favorite things of the era, the five-minute intermission. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I was watching a version. I kept waiting for the guy to turn or hit pause on his VHS, uh, but he never did. Um, yeah, I never did that either. 
uh, he he taped the whole damn five minutes. So me and Paul were sitting there. Paul just kept like, "What are they doing, Dad?" I'm like, "It's a countdown." What are they? She's like, "Is it New Year's?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no. It's, it's a countdown." Um, real quickly before we get to the second half of the show, I wanted to talk about the fight for a second. Um, it was again November seventh. I think it might have been election day. It was like a it's like a door in the week. It's at Caesar's Palace, uh, in. Las Vegas, and um, Donnie Lalonde is 31-2. and two. He's from Quebec, uh, Ontario, or excuse me, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, Sugar Ray, he's 34-1. and one. These are pre-fight records, obviously. Um, and we get to the fight, and Leonard wins. He defeats Lalonde by TKO in round 9 of 12. So they get Titan gave you a bang for your buck, at least. Yeah, also on the crowd, Roger Mayweather defeated Vinny Pazienza by decision, 12 out of 12. Uh, Gilberto Roman defeated Sugar Baby Rojas in decision. Gilberto Roman uh, was a former WWF referee, a little short, fat guy. Yeah, he boxed this night. He must have, yeah, he must have really gotten some serious shape. <laughs> he did. From Gorilla, Mon- Gorilla Monsoon shaming him so much on those house show cards. Yeah, and get this, it was a super featherweight, or super flyweight, <laughs> 115 pounds. So he, I can't believe it's the exact same name. Yeah, it cut a lot of weight. Uh, light heavyweight, Kevin Kazemeyer defeated Arthur Hall in a decision that went eight out of eight rounds. And the curtain jerkers, the heavyweights, Ike Padilla defeated Anthony Hayes by TKO in round three. Um, so a full night of uh, boxing card here promoted by Vince. How it did, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know why they did these things during the week. Even SummerSlam on Mondays. I mean, we, we talked about all this on one of our first shows. But it still just it baffles me a little bit. Like, boxing on a, on a Tuesday night on pay-per-view, like, I when I come home from work, I, you know, I'm not think like lucky. I turn the TV on sometimes. Like, yeah, I, don't, I guess it's just a it different was a, world. It was a Monday, yeah. November seventh, eighty eight. Monday, Monday, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't uh, know. Yeah, what, some, something with that Monday. It was billed as for all the gold. It was a unifying match. Um, it was for the WBC light heavyweight title held by Lalande and the vacant inaugural WBC super middleweight title. Um, so Sugar Ray ends up, you know. Winning those. Uh, I'm trying to look to see if there was any kind of... It was a $20 million purse. Sugar Ray got $15 million for the fight. Uh, Lalan got $5 million. Donnie. We'll call him Donnie. Got $5 million. Uh, rather than an outside promoter, they agreed to co-promote the fight in a joint partnership with Coors Brewing Company, who sponsored the belt. However, there was some controversy prior to the fight. When Donnie refused to wear gear, boxing the Coors logo, nor participate in promotion for the company. Uh, they had guaranteed an additional $1 million in each fighter's purse. And Leonard's lawyer and advisor, Mike Trainier, threatened to withhold the Coors money from Donnie, stating their money Big is Mil- going to go to charity of Donnie's choice. He's not getting it. Big Miller White guy, I guess. Yeah. Prior to the fight, Leonard and his longtime trainer, Angelo Dundee, who had been with Leonard his entire career parting ways... Uh, he had taken exception to only receiving 150000 from the $12 million purse in the previous fight against Hagler. Um, and he d- demanded a contract to train, uh, but he refused, resulting in the split. 
Uh, I don't see anything about like if this did well or anything like that. So I don't. I know. don't think. I don't think it did. I mean, there was never another one. Yeah. What it, what Vince did. I don't even did, see uh, like an attendance. Body bu- the bodybuilding bodybuilding came next. His next dip was that, and finally the XFL. Then who knows what's next? Maybe podcasts. All right, back back to SummerSlam. Um, let's see. So we come back after the five minutes. Gorilla and Superstar have a guest, Bobby Heenan. He's bragging. He's talking this and that. <laughs> At one point, uh, Gorilla tells him to sit down and shut up. Uh, he's not having it. And we get our first match of the second half. Dino Bravo uh, with Frenchie Martin, no longer in the Dream Team. He's singles. He had had the thing. Uh, at uh, Royal Rumble, the weightlifting thing where Jesse was spotting him and he set a bench pressing record. So they're giving him a big push here. And he's fighting the Rock, Don Morocco, in a singles match. And he beats him with a side suplex at 528. Now, okay, this is the worst match of the night probably. Uh, but it's also not as bad as I was training my mind to think it was. Like, it was just kind of there and gone so quickly um, that... And I was concentrating so much on Gorilla and Bobby and and all that that I it didn't stick around long enough for me to hate it, you know? Um, I'll give it one star out of respect. It's nothing great. It's nothing bad. Again, it's similar to Bad News' match. You know, it serves a purpose to put over Bravo as an emerging contender in the heavyweight division. That's it. Yeah. And uh, I love- it's fine. I love the interaction on commentary between uh, the brain and uh, yeah, Superstar. and that's what I'm paying attention to the whole time, really. There was never too much interaction between those two that, that I can remember. It's, uh, Superstar uh, feuded with Slick's guys, you know, after he made his return. There wasn't too much, uh, at least on TV stuff, but with him and the brain. I thought that was a nice nice exchange there. And I was very surprised to see Morocco go out, you know, pretty much clean. Uh, I know uh, he got distracted by Frenchie Martin, but you would think maybe Dino would put his feet on the ropes for leverage or something. I mean, Morocco, I mean, it was just like, so like, Morocco's almost like an Orndorff to me. Like, a, he was a big star. Yeah, he you know, did he, the J-O-B. He was there from, yeah, he did the J-O-B straight up. I, I remember, like, me and Anthony Pagano, like, having Morocco's LJN lose all the time. It, 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 losing, it, it, it screws you up. Like, people don't understand that now. Oh, this guy needs to lay down for that guy. He never does any jobs. Blah, blah, blah. No, Morocco was shit to us because he got pinned clean here. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It doesn't work. Yeah, and he he give him credit for One the professionalism. Star. Yeah, the job. All right, next we got a Survivor Series promo, uh, and then Sean Mooney interviews Jesse, uh, who says, "Of course he took the money. Why wouldn't he take the money? But it's not going to affect uh, his impartial." That's a great segment. Ability. I'm yeah. To um, to to ref. Uh, next up, tag team title match. The tag titles are on the line. Demolition, Axe, and Smash are the champions. They're with Mr. Fuji and Jimmy Hart, who's been recently let go by the Hart Foundation. Brett and Jimmy Nightheart, they're on their own. It's 1049, um, and it's great chaos at the end, a great finish. Um, Loved it. As Jimmy Hart, who had been chased off, comes back. Fuji gets on the apron. He's got the ref's attention, slides the megaphone in. Brett takes the crack to the skull. Uh, and Demolition snatches victory from the jaws of defeat um, with the help of uh, Jimmy Hart, who screws over the Hart Foundation for firing his ass. Yeah, watching in kayfabe, it was like, come on, two managers? Yeah. Like a gorilla would freak out? Yeah. Like, dude, 
I love the 1990, the two out of three fall match. That's near and dear to my heart for some reason. I have no idea why. I just loved how Demolition Same. was doing. doing. Yeah, I know you like it too. Uh, doing the free bird rule and stuff in and out. And uh, Vince was really selling it on commentary. So I was kind of like put this one on the back burner. But but now watching it now, I thought it was a really good tag team match. I think this is the second uh, second or third best match of the night. And um, I gave it three really, and a half. I gave it three and a half yeah. stars. Yeah, I'll give it three. I'll give it three. And I thought, you know, Demolition are such believable champions. Like, everything about them is champions. You know what I mean? They, they have Mr. Fuji couldn't get the win for them, but Jimmy Hart did. Such heel stuff. You know what I mean? To, to create that, you know, Jimmy Hart, Hart Foundation, animosity. It's just professional wrestling done the way it's supposed to be done. You know, the key, they didn't win with Fuji's cane because they, you know, it didn't work. But they win with Jimmy Hart's megaphone. Whoa. You know, that's different. It's just... Just great stuff, and even back this time, I remember me and uh, my friend Anthony would 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 play we play wrestlers. I'd be a certain wrestler, he'd be another one. I called Hulk Hogan from the beginning. I got lucky, so I was always Hulk Hogan. He would go back and forth with guys, but he switched from Macho Man to Bret Hart this very summer. I'll never forget it. We're at like some pool somewhere. It's like I'm I'm playing Bret the Hitman Hart now. So yeah, there was some there was something there lingering. Uh, with the hitman, he you had know, that he look. Stepped as, out of the shadows at you know yeah. Mania Four with the breaking that trophy in a million yeah. pieces. Yeah, there's been something there. It took it took a while, but that, it's such a nice story. And we we really getting into wrestling with WWF when we did. We really grew up with him more than anybody with with the hitman. Yeah, with his career, and we'll talk more about him for sure next time. Yeah. Um. All right. After this, we go to another boxing promo, and then Mean Jeans in the back. With the Honky Tonk Man in the heel locker room, all the heels are standing around, and Honky and Jimmy are back there. Honky was robbed. He says he agreed to any wrestler, not a warrior. He didn't agree to a warrior. He got robbed. Jimmy's going to call his lawyer, baby. It's a bunch of bullshit to them. (laughs) They're furious. The other heels are standing around. They're furious, too, Uh, because I guess heels take it personal when another heel loses. Um, So they're not happy. Oh, yeah. And uh, then we go back to the ring. Uh, for the eighth match of the night, and it's the big boss man with Slick, who is looking badass here. Uh, and he fights Coco Beware, who I just remember thinking, like, you are not big enough for this. Uh, and in 557, the boss man does uh, what a few guys have done tonight. Bravo and Bad News. They have established themselves as legitimate contenders in the heavyweight division. And maybe Bossman does it most emphatically here uh, with just a kick-ass dominant uh decision over coco again it's about a 1.25 type star match but it did what it was supposed to do and that was on the big stage at the pay-per-view put boss man over as a real contender and he looks like hey brother hey brother i think coco popped the garden maybe next after hogan and macho man with that drop kick off the top rope boss man gave him a lot and he nailed that uh drop kick on boss man that when he went for the pin that that crowd came, came to their feet and, um, you know, looking at it in a certain way that Bossman's going to work with Hulk, he might have given Coco too much, too much here. But being as a fan, and I'm a fan of Coco, I, I like it. And I'm, I'm going to give this match a solid two and a half stars. It's, it's exciting. It's, it's like, wow. Like, look like really, because people aren't used to the Bossman yet, really like Coco might beat this fat bastard like, quickly in your head when that dropkick landed. He took his head off, man. And uh, yeah, this 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 is a sleeper match. This is probably one of Coco's uh, best moments in the ring in, in the WWF. Yeah, for sure. It's a great job by everyone here. 
uh, doing a really good job to, you know, put him over. And uh, Coco, yeah, got some great pops. Paula loves him, loves the bird. Um, so good. He's, he's one of those guys that pe- people that like, oh, Dave, you do a wrestling podcast, or you, you know, you're a wrestling fan. Well, how about uh, Hillbilly Jim? How about Coco Beware? Like yep. those names, oh, those are the names that always come up. So that's why these guys belong in the Hall of Fame, where some guy that did all these moves that all these smarks love, nobody knows their names. You know what I mean? Sure. These are the guys. All right. Uh, with that said, what's next? Sean Mooney is now in the Warrior, with the Warrior in the face locker room, and they're all celebrating um, the Warriors' championship win and. Warrior said some stuff. I don't know what the hell it was. I didn't understand it, and it looked like a lot of the guys were just standing around thinking, like, what is this lunatic saying? Then, like, they all – you see, like, JYD, like, I think, like, someone – like, Pat Patterson, someone must have given the signal, like, get out of this scene. Yeah. Like, dog walks away, then the rest, the rest of them are all gone. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of fade out from celebrating yeah. to kind of fading out. Oh, we got shit to do. Yeah, they're uh, like, screw this guy. All right, we're back to uh, the ring, and it's Jake Roberts, who we've seen earlier. A little bit pissed off at um at uh the ravishing one. Ravishing one. He's gonna defeat Hercules in ten oh six. Uh this is my dad used to have this thing, one match too long. Um he would always say that this stuff for him was one match too long. He'd be alright, he'd be alright, and he just wants to see Hulk. You know, and I think that this match is one match too long. And it's ten minutes too long too. Five minutes too long, let's say. Um, why we needed 10 minutes and six seconds. I don't know. You know what I mean? They gave 10 minutes to the demolition, to the tag team match. Makes sense. That's for a title. Gave 20 minutes in the intro. Okay, makes sense. Nothing else besides the main event gets close to 10 minutes. I don't know why it was that long. Um, I was bored. Uh, I'm not a fan of this match. I don't know. Um, One star for me. I didn't love it. Um, Herc's... Herc needs something just too long. And I want, I, by this point, I just want the main event. I don't know. One match too long. My dad's thing always. I thought of it here. I get, what you're, I get what you're saying. I get what your dad's saying. I never had or cared or even thought about this match too much. When I watched it again, I kind of liked it. I'm like a little, I like it a little more than you. It is a little long. But I just love Hercules so much. And he just gets no love. He, he's, like, he's like an Orton, like a Bob Orton. Like that kind of bad guy. He's like, oh, Hercules. Like, all right, this is you know he might win. This is going to be some kind of a a struggle here. And it turned it. I know he needed a change, turned them good, but he he's just not a good guy. When he was born, the doctor stamped bad guy heel on his back. It, it just it, I don't know. I think maybe he maybe if he would have went to NWA for a while, come back, stay a heel. I know they eventually put him back heel, but he's he's just such a, a good hand, a good heel. He's a great wrestler. Oh, I love nobody her. Gives him, I usually yeah, enjoy her. Nobody gives him credit for him. He bumps for everybody. Love he, his he, steamboat match in yeah. WrestleMania, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's like a not as technician as an Orton, but on that level. And, you know, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not this. He's not that. He's not mentioned. You know, the match is unnecessary. Jake's run in, got the big pop in the, in the dog rude match. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't like that uh, Hercules took the snake. On him, that you know that that's for jobbers or the guy snakes feuded with. So I thought that was a little you know, mm-hmm. Herc didn't have to do. I thought he could have rolled out or something. I like the but, finish. Uh, you know, he just gets he just gets a flash DDT, almost you know like an RK yeah. out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, I just didn't like Damian go, going on him, and Heenan didn't show up to manage him, which leads to about two weeks 
on superstars is a whole slate. They sell it. They sell it hard too. Yeah, hard. Yeah. So there is. He's on to something else. I just think the face turn. I just they started jobbing him out really quick. He did win at WrestleMania five, but after that, he's just he's just not a face. But uh, would you give it one one star? Yeah, it's a little harsh. Why don't I give it? 1.75. 1.75. How about that? It's it's the placement, brother. Yeah, it is. It. it is. If it was second or something, it's a good finish. It, I like the yeah. finish, but yeah, I'll give it two. Okay, I'm yeah, a little lower than that, yeah. but just want just want to show Hercules some love. Fair, very fair. God bless Herc. Absolutely. All right, we get a video package promo, which I loved these uh, back in the day. The way they would do these pay per view promos to set up the big matches, and then here we are, Dave. Uh, the main event, and it feels like a main, it's a main event, Woo-hoo. right? Like, I don't know what the main event is at SummerSlam this year. I assume it's the Cena match, which is so it better be, which is a little bit better than probably some of the recent ones. But like, this if it's is not. A, I'm turning I'm turning that shit off right right after it. Yeah, this is a main event. You know, this who are they going to bring out? Finn Balor. You can't even see him behind the ring post. <laughs> for God's sakes! But this is what it means to be a mega uh, main event. And I got some. Play-by-play notes, I'm going to read them here. Thanks to Justin Rosero from the uh, Place to Be Nation flagship Good show man. for saving me a little bit of time here. Uh, it's a huge main event as Hulk Hogan returns to action, and we culminate over a year's worth of feuds. The build has been tremendous, and everything lined up perfectly. Ventura as ref is an added piece. Piles on odds against the Mega Powers and puts more star power in the ring. There's great heat on the Mega Bucks. Epic group of heels smirking and stalking to the ring. Uh, the Mega Powers come out to Savage's music. Crazy. And the That's crowd crazy. is all fired up, as is Superstar, about Hogan's physique. Uh, the Mega Powers... My double main man. My double main man, brother. Give him a monsoon. The Mega Powers have great matching gear on, uh, set up as a big payoff here. Uh, so much star power into the ring, uh, we get a lot of posturing uh, and set up as Jesse switches to tag ropes for some reason. Uh, and then... Um, uh, Whatever reason it is, it's great. Yeah, it's it to show he's the boss. I'm yeah. the boss. Oh, yeah. The ropes go here. Uh, and uh, then he gets in Hulk Hogan's face when confronted. Again, that's all it is. He's just telling Hulk, look it. When he was screaming at Hulk, he must have had the biggest heart on. Oh, you know, that, That's like his life goal don't, right there. Don't, like, make, complete. don't make me come out of retirement, Hulk. <laughs> uh, Andre swats Savage around at the bell and then tags DiBiase, and we reset. Ted calls on Hogan. And Macho obliges. Hogan comes in hot and batters Ted around, leveling him with a clothesline. Savage comes in, and we get some double-team offense and quick tags to show some continuity. Ted is taking a beating but survives some pin covers. Virgil and Bobby start to get involved, and DiBiase takes over as Liz gets on the apron and gets screamed at by Jesse. Uh, Andre arrives and leans on Hulk with his weight while also battering him with some strikes. Andre chokes away and then and then tags. Uh, Ted, who lands some more shots, uh, goes to a chin lock. Uh, Gorilla and Graham bitch about it and call it a choke, but Jesse ignores it. He's not checking. The crowd wills Hulk up until he busts the hold. Uh, the two wipe each other out with clothesline, and Hulk is just able to make the tag. Uh, Savage comes in like a house of fire and unloads on Ted with strikes and then pelts him with a double axe off the top rope, which is awesome. Uh, Savage whips, whiffs on a charge, but comes right back with a crossbody for two. Ted cuts him down with a clothesline and tags Andre, who smashes Macho into the corner. Uh, Billy and Gorilla continue to ride Jesse as he gives all kinds of leeway to the Mega Bucks. Uh, Ted is b- 
back in and grabs two on a superplex. Uh, but Savage slivers away for the tag. Hogan hammers away and drills Ted with a clothesline and then gets a suplex as the crowd is going nuts at this point. Uh, Andre comes in, but Hulk whelps him and he falls to a huge pop. Uh, Hogan locks on a sleeper. I love the way Hulk, anytime Hulk knocks Andre down, he immediately looks to the crowd. Yep. That's what makes Hulk the best. Yep. He doesn't just knock him down, just keep going. He looks to that crowd. Did you see right that, away. brother? Yep. Uh, yep. Hogan looks on, locks on a sleeper and Savage tries to come. Off the top, but he's a huge boot from Andre in a good spot. Andre busts up the sleeper uh, with a headbutt and chucks Hulk to the floor. Andre starts kicking ass, and I love it. Yeah, sure. the Bucks regroup in the ring as the Mega Powers gather their bearings. And uh, as that goes on, Liz, Liz hops up on the apron and talks to Jesse before eventually stripping off her skirt and shocking the world in an iconic moment. Everyone is frozen in amazement, allowing the Mega Powers to do the epic handshake and then come in and clean house on everyone. A moment later, Hogan slams Ted and Savage hits the elbow and Hogan drops the leg for the win with Savage helping Jesse hit the three as Jesse went one, two, and then he held there for a while and Savage jumped and pushed the hand down for three. Amazingly done. A red-hot finish to a perfectly paced and booked match uh, nice and tidy, told a good story, putting two feuds to bed and giving an iconic moment. And at first is the story of the Mega Powers as they pose, obviously, to go off uh, through the night. And they make sure to frame a few shots uh, that they can use later. You know, where's Hulk's hand, this and that. I got a, I got a bomb to drop about this. Three and a half stars from Justin. Uh, I'm going to give it 4.25. Uh, I think it's great. Um, I love everything about it. Loved watching it. Um, the 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 mo- the room. Everyone was involved in this one, right? During a lot of the cars, just me and Don watching. Uh, this one, it's me and Don and Don's mo- Don's mom and Don's dad and Don's brother and you know my little brother and my mom and you know my stepdad. Everyone's watching this match, you know. And the heat in the living room is crazy. And everyone is, you know, and, and just the reaction to Hulk, to Liz and everyone stopped and wow, amazing. Um, I love it. I almost I don't know if I'm maybe underrating a 4.25, but uh, I love it. Uh, great night. Great match. Great end. Go ahead, Dave. I give it four solid. I think it was very ballsy to have them come out to pomp and circumstance together instead of doing the separate introductions or just real American. I remember my family was like, what the fuck is this? Where's real American? We're a little pissed. And I like Macho, but I mean, come on. And uh, you know, I don't know what well, the guard they play expected. play real American at the end, right? So. Yeah, no, but what if they what if they lost? You know, <laughs> sure. But um, yeah, I just whatever. We got over it quick. Uh, the match is great. You know, I love uh, look what I said with Hulk, and then what he knocks finally knocks Andre down. He's got to look to the crowd. That's what it's all about. These skinny kids don't look to the crowd. They don't do any of this shit. They just do a million flips. I'm not going to get onto that. But then Andre, when he, he gives Savage that big boot, when Savage is trying to jump on him from the top rope, then he grabs Hogan when Hogan has a sleeper on DiBiase and throws him out of the ring before Liz slips. This is Andre, like, beating the old Andre and just kicking ass. And uh, Liz, you know, Liz doing that, it was just like, like, like what Superstar says, I don't believe my eyes. It's like nobody knew how to react because you never, ever saw anything. Like, and Sherry wasn't, she was still a wrestler. She wasn't. You know, coming out with her ass hanging out in the chaps yet. 
or like putting the million dollar man's money between her boobs, like nothing like like this. And that those are panties. That's not. Uh, she was supposed to come in a bikini, which I would rather have seen. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is almost like a little like even though you're not seeing this much, it's almost like a little worse. Her in her panties instead of being in the bikini, SummerSlam bikini. You know, kind of, kind of like right, seems a little Macho more just classier. Pulled the shoot out at the last minute, yeah, right? But yeah. I think, I think it ended up seeming worse. You know what I mean? Than if it was like a bikini, you know, Sports Illustrated, it's the whatever. Beach. Classy, She's at the beach, yeah. classy, yeah. This is like this came off as panties. Like she sure. just took her shirt off. You know, it's just like you know, and she, you know, I like my girls who love meat on them, but she's she's curvy skinny. You know, there's 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 a difference between skinny and curvy skinny, and Liz. Got that face, and she's curvy skinny. So, yeah, it's it's not bad. It's not bad to look at, but it was just such a shock, and um, which makes me grade the match higher because shocks shocks are great. And then the aftermath, the posing, you got to keep your eyes on this. It's so way almost a year before the mega powers. Well, mega powers explode eight months before. They use in the WrestleMania five. When they're leading up, Macho Man's pissed off. He's he's doing cutting the promos. His Hulk. When I picked up Elizabeth, put her on my shoulder. You, he, he insinuated the Hulk grabbed their ass. Right. When Hulk lifted her up, but if you look at it, it's like not even anywhere. He like yeah. his hands like on her hip. Yeah. But I think they were supposed to use something else, but the camera missed it. When you're when Real America's playing and Gorilla and Superstar are saying goodbye, see you later. We'll see you at the Lalan uh, Leonard fight. The camera's gone away. It misses it. But if you really look at it, when Elizabeth is bending over to go through the ropes, Hogan looks right at her ass and does the, you know, when you're acting like something's hot with your hand, you're shaking your hand like it's hot. Sure. He looks at her ass and shakes his hand like it's hot. And Macho Man points right in his face, right in Hulk's face. A point, not you can't, you can't deny it that it was all, oh, he wasn't really pointing. He points right in his face, but the camera, you got to go back. Everybody listening, go back and watch this. This was, I don't know why they didn't use it. I don't know if the camera missed it or, or if it was real. This is something that nobody ever talks about. Or I've if never it, heard anybody want, mention it before. There's no gray area there. You know, maybe they wanted more painted as gray area where that would make I, maybe make I, Macho's case too much. I've noticed it before, but honestly, if we were talking about this last week, I wouldn't have remembered. I forgot about it until, until I just watched it. It's there. And it's it's crazy. It's much more than him putting his hand on her hip. I think maybe the show was maybe they were supposed to maybe film them going down, going back down the aisle, and they ran out of time. I don't know, but it, it's there. And he, Macho Man pointed like a heel right in right in Hogan's face, like he did in February '89 in, in Milwaukee. You know, or, uh, was it Milwaukee? Whatever it was, yep. Bradley Center. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's there. It's there for everyone to see. Everybody, uh, please take a look at that and let, let us know. Let us know what you think, you know. But I think that uh, that was a big, uh, more than the, he got. And finally, Survivor Series Savage kind of promo. You know, we'll we'll get there eventually. So Peter Winston's favorite show, Survivor Series '88. But uh, yeah, man, the seeds are planted. Great and, show. Uh, like I said, like I said, four stars. I love the the pose down. You know, at the end, it's the two biggest stars in the in the WWF and in, in wrestling. And Liz, can't top it, my man. Unbelievable. What a great main event. Great show. That's SummerSlam 88. All right, we still have some work to do, Dave. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dave, everybody's been waiting. Enough with these two guys. Where is Paula? 
And Paul will Paul be with us in a minute. Paul will join us for emails uh, and plugs and all that good stuff. Plus, we'll tell you what SummerSlam we're going to cover on the next show, also at the ooh, Garden. Ooh. So let's take a break, Dave. We'll be right back. We'll be back. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, you gotta take a stand and don't have to hide. If you hurt my friends, then you hurt my pride. I gotta be a man, I can't let it slide. I am a real American. Hey now, welcome to the 24 Inch Cat. Dad, do you have some plugs? Paula Marie, we do have some plugs today. The last segment of the 24-inch podcast, SummerSlam 88 edition. Uh, That was a treat to do. Don't forget, you can find this episode and the first 16 episodes of the 24-inch podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can find every episode of the 24-inch podcast and every episode of of the Sportscasters podcast. Uh, which is rolling right now, previewing football season. Uh, we had an episode with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, uh, Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. Uh, we even have Jeff Passan in there to talk some baseball. Uh, it's a really busy time of the year for the sportscasters, previewing uh, football from all angles, uh, analytically through the computers of Football Outsiders, uh, more standard way of previewing the season, the NFL with, Ross Tucker, college football with Nicole Auerbach. We talk realignment, college football, Stuart Mandel. Fantasy football with Michael Fabiano. Uh, also, like I said, baseball with Jeff Passan. Uh, Vic Carucci is going to join us. So a lot going on uh, with the sportscasters. And you can find more about that at sports underscore casters on Twitter. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter. We're at Paula Bennett 23 on Twitter at HD. Wait, what, what is it? HDR HD Rollins HD Rollins that's what it is HD Rollins on Twitter is Dave and uh, at sports underscore casters what's up peanuts um I didn't know I have my own Instagram page no uh, Twitter I made you you know you got Instagram too <laughs> yeah I know I see but you that's there on Instagram crazy I have it yeah I made them for you so you could get your name and stuff thank you yeah when you were a baby but your Instagram you know that that's been going for a long yeah, time I know but I just forgot hey. yeah Paula no, Mania, I, I heard you got. Dave's got a you question. You got so for many. Me. You got so many followers on your Instagram, Paula Marie Mania, that mm-hmm. you had to you had to stop accepting people. That's what I heard. It's a rumor <laughs> around town. Don't forget to check out our Facebook group. Uh, just search Twenty Four Inch Podcast on Facebook, and you will find us there. We'll let you in the group. Just ask to join. We'll let you join in. You can find us on Instagram, Twenty Four Underscore Inch Underscore Podcast. Uh, Hollywood Dave runs that, does a great job with that. Check that out. Also on Twitter, at the number two, at the number four, the word inch, the word podcast, at two, four inch podcast. Email's the same, the number two, the number four inch podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to check out our friend Peter Winston. Greetings from Allentown. It's a bi weekly show now, uh, taking a little time for the summer, I think, too. 
enjoying his vacation. But when he's rolling, nobody's better. Um, the greetings from Allentown Pod when that comes out on a Thursday and he's schooling me on 1983 Memphis wrestling. My head's spinning, but I'm loving every mm. second. Mm-hmm. Uh, weekly episodes uh, with Keithy. Uh, the uh, greetings from Allentown Live are also on that feed. Check that out. Five stars. He always wants five stars ratings for his social proof. Also want to thank Justin and Scott for some of the notes we used earlier. They're, of course, at the Place to Be Nation. They just had a really great episode on SummerSlam 1992 uh, with our friend Damato. Turned out great. A really yeah, great enjoyed, episode. Really, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that show. Yeah, so that's up there on their feed. Check that out. Uh, and don't forget about our friends at the Fire Department of New York. Uh, we went over it in the beginning, of course, but it's a project. 20 for 20, 20 historic, 9-11 stories of good people for the 20th anniversary it's a podcast that's going to actually inspire people. It's for good, unlike the nonsense that we do. Uh, but they're going to have one episode a week, and they're hoping to air right around my birthday, August 30th, uh, 31st, or September 1st. So uh, listen back to the beginning. We got a longer, more detailed plug there, but I'm excited for this, Dave. Anything that brings attention um, to the fire department of New York, 9-11, like Niels uh, Jorgensen's going to do, I think is just really important. So Beautiful. We can't wait. Yep. Uh, 2420.com uh, is the uh, website to check it out. Paul, you got something else, baby? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, when we do the 20 Friend Podcast, the next time we do it, is my camp going to be over? And do I get to actually do the hosting? Yeah, because that's a big one. We'll talk about that in a second. Hold that thought, okay? Hold that thought. Hold it right up there. We'll talk more about that in a second. Did I forget anything plug-wise, David? I get everyone in. Yeah, you're good. You got it, Rick. All right, let's do some emails. We'll start with Paula. Paula's got two good ones tonight. This first one uh, comes from who, Paula? Tammy Bennett. Tammy Bennett. Heard of her. Tammy Bennett. She wants to know, how do you prepare to get ready for the podcast each week? I'm sure it's different for all of us since we do different things. Paul, you want to start us off? Yeah. What do you do to prepare? I do is ask my daddy for a drink of water, and then I'm ready, and I have a drink to do that. And Mommy got us some strawberry lemonade. Yeah. And I'm loving it. Yeah, you like that strawberry lemonade. What do you do during the week? Like, Do you watch the show over, or do you read any notes like do you read old Meltzer columns or no. maybe an after mag from 88 nope you don't do any of that I just stay in this person and I have my emails on my back I know every single one I don't even need to think about it okay all right Dave what do you do to prepare for the show well tonight well, I'll get into what I do during the week in a moment but basically the night of the show the recording you know I work 1.30 and 9.30 is my shift hour. So basically, I get in my car, drive home from work, pick up a six-pack. If it's a summer, I cool down the room for 15 minutes and call you. <laughs> but uh, no, but that's for now. But uh, before, um, while I'm getting ready, you know, I do the uh, the Hulk uh, corner of our little show, my little segment, if you will, uh, where I talk about where Hulk's been uh, during the month we're covering. So I go on to uh, Graham Cawthorn and uh, the great Lord Richard Lands. Uh, history of WWE.com, pick up some of that information there. Then I also try to think, you know, a lot of this stuff is stored in my crazy brain already. It's just there. 
the stiff stuff I say usually just is just coming out out of my head. But sometimes, like the stuff we talked about before with Brutus, I'm saying, oh, let me make sure the thing with the Spurs aired the weekend, the weekend before SummerSlam, like I think. So I just had to check that out and uh, sometimes go back and watch uh, a couple clips from the TVs around the time and obviously watch the show we are covering, even though I know most of them by heart. But, uh, you know, you got to freshen up, like they say. And um, I don't know if I'm leaving anything out. That's about it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I work I work on. The, now here comes a guy. Here comes a guy that does everything. <laughs> yeah, I have to work on the rundown sheet and make sure that um, uh, we're organized what we're going to talk about. And as I do that, that's where I build out my plan for the week. I have to watch the show. I got to make sure I have the notes. Um, I got to figure out who we're going to do the bio on. Make sure I prepare the bio. If we do the arenas like we've been doing, I got to prepare what we're going to talk about for the arenas. Um, I get the news together. Um. You know, make sure if there's articles like, you know, when we did the Survivor Series, I wanted to do something on Thanksgiving. So I did some research on wrestling and Thanksgiving, and I found an article that worked for the show. Um, Also, I have to just do all of the things that go into posting the show and hosting the show and things like that. Uh, Some of the social media, getting questions on the um, the Facebook page. Uh, But really, my job, I think, mostly is just to organize everything so that when we're driving the car... Everyone is going in the same direction, and nobody gets off at the wrong exit or anything like that. What's up, Paula? Um, I have the camp, and it's called here camp, and I am putting up heart and beauty in the beast. Yep, Paula has theater camp this week. Tomorrow is the play. Yep. What part Whoa. are you going to be in Beauty and the Beast tomorrow? I'm going to be the baker. The baker, and the good news is, is that if Belle can't make it if she gets Daddy COVID-19. Daddy's going to take Bell parting oh, oh, or Gregory part. Yep, I'm going to be the understudy. Nothing. Oh, I, th- I thought you I thought they're going to take Steve Bennett up there and make him the beast. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm the understudy. If anyone goes down with COVID-19, boom, I'm in. And not only that, you're the facilitator of the 24-inch podcast. Yes. That's all you had to say. All right. Uh, another question from the pe- for the peanuts here. Who's this one from, Paula? Tammy. All right, Tammy again, getting in there with another question. If you could go to lunch with any wrestler, who would it be, and where would you go to eat? Dave, you want to start on this one? Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's going to be a boring answer, but of course, it's Hulk Hogan at Hogan's Hangout, brother, in Clearwater Beach. Uh, if there was one other one, can we do? Can we do someone that's no sure. longer with us? Why not? Uh, Bobby the Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, without a doubt, probably uh, you know maybe a nice. Fancy is he had an Italian wife, so a nice Italian restaurant that I like to go to here in Jersey, and just uh, with a few other people, and just hear Bobby cut it up like he always would. Yeah. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. Get a nice plate of linguine with clam sauce, and maybe some yeah, he could sp- yeah. spill it all over himself and slip on it, and all you know. What about you, Paul? Who do you? What wrestler um, do you want to go to lunch with, and where would you take him? Hulk Hogan into McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> The red and yellow. What do you think the Hulkster eats Double at McDonald's? Double red and yellow. I think the, a burger. A burger? All right. And what if... No bread. Uh, two Big Macs with no bread, brother. Give me one more. That's what Hulk eats. One more non-Hulk wrestler. If Hulk's not available, who would you take? I would take Macho Man. Macho Man. I would yeah. take it. Where would you take him? Um, I would take him to... The whole, whole thing. Yeah. Hey, okay. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> Interesting. All right. You Very. know what? 
so I'm obviously here's what here's my approach here. I want to take someone who knows how to eat and would really Ooh. and re- really would appreciate chicken wings because here in Buffalo we're known for chicken wings. So I would take King Kong Bundy. Uh, I would take him to Duff's. Um, I really liked when he did the um, the uh, thing with uh, the guys at Kayfabe Commentaries. He seems like a good storyteller yeah. and he has a good memory. So I feel like the conversation would be good. And I know Bundy could eat 20 or 30 chicken wings. Good so, personality. You know, so wise, we, wise guy. Yeah, we get a nice bucket of them. And I'll show him what a real chicken wing's like. He'd appreciate it to have good buffalo wings. So I'd take him to Duff's, my number one place in the world for chicken wings. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't go to the bathroom and let out his one of his famous tone on the thrones, though, like at the Slammies. Yeah, that would be too bad. But if Bundy's not available, I think there's another way to skin this cat, Dave. That other way is maybe taking the lovely Miss Elizabeth on a romantic dinner. Ooh, you better be far away from uh, Paula and Macho Man. Be away from Tampa. <laughs> Don't You're in trouble. do that. Do with Andre. <laughs> do with Andre. <laughs> do with Andre? What? That's a terrible. I don't want to go on a date with Andre. Hmm. No, it's Hoko and Andre. Oh, okay. All right. Well. So they can have a face-to-face. You know who I know is not taking Rick Rude on a, on a lunch. Yeah, because Mommy won't want to come and Rick Rude will care if Mommy won't get a dating to Rick Rude. That's right. Forget. So where are you taking Liz, brother? Oh, I, I think I'm going to go the Italian, the fancy Italian route, you know? Mm. Just like she's you. a southern, She's a southern belle, Liz, I believe. Uh, so you can show her, show her a little stuff maybe she's been missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take her for fried chicken or anything like that. No. All right. Uh, get well wishes are in order for our friend uh, JT Rosero. Uh, mm. Brother broke, uh, tore his Achilles tendon and uh, had surgery on it. He's doing well, though. He's getting ready to fly out to um, Vegas for SummerSlam. He's going to wear his uh, or have his little that thing you put your knee on. It's like a scooter. Yeah, scooter. Yeah. Uh, right, get well, uh, Justin. He's got a question for us. This comes from the 24-inch podcast Facebook group. He says, discuss which was a better direction for the show. The tag match we got or Andre Hulk in a cage and then DiBiase Savage for the title. So do you like the tag match or maybe a double main event? You know, middle of the show, Hulk and Andre go at it in a cage and then late in the show, DiBiase and Savage uh, fight for the title. Paul, you got want to answer that one first? I have, um, I have, um, I have one more to add. You got one more email? Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's finish Justin's question first. I have a makeup email this time because we wasted all mine. This has to start off with another makeup. Okay, so let's just finish Justin's question. Dave, what's your answer here, buddy? Uh, I'm going to stick with the SummerSlam the way it was. Uh, they, you know, the WrestleFest, that was fine. That was a, a gigantic house show, really. I know it was released on Coliseum Video a month or so later. Yeah, and we'll talk but, more about uh, that in a minute. Yeah, that was just a big, big house show uh, where all the – all this A and B C team came together. They weren't in any other town, I believe, that night. So that's why it was so jam packed. But yeah, the whole theme of SummerSlam was that Mega Powers, Mega Bucks, and the whole Mega Power storyline. Now, every pay per view from WrestleMania four all the way to SummerSlam eighty nine, Hogan and Savage were somehow linked together. And uh, I don't think they were going to separate that because we knew what we know what was coming down the line. So the whole thing was. You know, they were wrestling DiBiase and Andre, but the whole story really was that mega power story. And that need, that needed to be showcased uh, at Madison Square Garden and on pay-per-view across the world. Yeah, I think that 
the tag match, you kind of have to go there just to preserve the Mega Power storyline. Uh, but I also think there's a creative way to do it the other way. I think to see Hulk and Andre in a cage, if Andre could pull it off, would be pretty awesome. And Hulk kind of gets his win back and kind of really starts bulking up to get Savage. But, you know, maybe... You know, maybe if you really want to be aggressive, Hulk gets a really decisive win against Andre. And then later in the main event, kind of somehow accidentally costs Savage. Um, you know, maybe Liz brings him down for help and it backfires or something. Maybe you fire up the the angle that way. But I still think I like the, uh, yeah. the tag direction the best. Yeah, I think enough of that separate Elizabeth bringing out Hulk. That happened three times already uh, before this that may have been a little played. Uh, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, this this was just really, it's, it's almost like, I feel like they were trying to go back to like almost WrestleMania 1, that big tag team, you know, some, something special, something different. This is not a regular card. This is a big special tag team match you're never going to see anywhere else. Yeah. Sorry about that. Dave, do you got a uh, question? You got one, right? Yeah, I got, I got a few here. Uh, let me pull them up. All right, actually, I got one more right here while you're pulling yeah. that up. Steve Rocco on our Facebook group. Discuss Beefcake versus Honky Tonk, the match booked, and Warrior as a replacement. Now, here's the thing, Steve. Uh, Brutus got the axe. The, the spurs went to his face, and the network had no choice to put the axe up. So he just wasn't available, um, and that's too bad. And the thing about it is Honky Tonk Man was willing to fight anyone, but he didn't say a warrior. So I think that was a little unfair because he thought he was going to fight any wrestler, not a warrior. So that was a little bit of a mistake in a sandbag by Vince McMahon to send a warrior down there. Um, so, you know, I think that was a little unfair to Honky. Um, and unfortunately, Beefcake just wasn't available. We, we all saw the X. Uh, the spur went to the face and the X came up. So it is what it is. What do you think, Dave? Uh, can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Uh, discuss Beefcake versus Honky Tonk match. The match booked and Warrior as a replacement. Oh, yeah. Well, um, it was kind of strange to me how that happened, that, that whole thing uh, with Warrior. It seemed to come out of nowhere. You know, Brutus was, was, was pretty over, you know, one of the top five or six uh, faces in the company. And he's been going around the horn with uh, Honky Tonk Man. You know, they met at WrestleMania. And it looked like this was going to be the time that uh, Brutus was going to take the gold away from, from Honky. But uh, what ended up happening is, you know, the week the, right there, that Saturday before SummerSlam on Superstars, like Steve said, he gave you the kayfabe for him. Outlaw Ron Bass, you know, took uh, Brett and Bart, the Spurs, and uh, a sliced up beefcake, and a giant red X appeared. Uh, I think that, uh, my opinion, Vince fell in love with the Warrior uh, during the Weasel Soup Bobby Heenan matches that went through, went through the horn during the summer. Because before that, the Warrior, to me, was kind of like a Ted R.C. Like, you knew he wasn't going to lose, but he really didn't mean too much. His feud with Hercules, it was kind of just, eh, like, this guy's tough, he's rough, but you never really thought of him in a big, in a big angle or with, you know, with anything with a belt. But uh, I think once uh, those weasel suit matches took place, it was the, became the real warrior that, that we all know uh, from years later, you know, to, uh, from years for years to come. And I think, you know, he's a Vince guy. I think Vince just fell in love with him and, Kick Brutus to the side for a little while. I don't know what the, how uh, if that worked for uh, Hulkster brother or not, but I guess that's a whole other story. All right, you got one from. How about Hogan? What's my man Hogan? Kevin doing? Hogan. Kevin Hogan. All right, here he comes on your last podcast. You guys are some talking about enhancement talent. Can you think of any enhancement talents that you would have liked to have seen get a push? If the answer is yes, how would you have gone about pushing them? 
gimmicks, etc. All right, well, Kevin, I got a very fast answer for you on that. I'm not going to say guys like SD Jones or Iron Mike Sharp because they were pushed at one one time or another in their careers. But uh, Mario Mancini is my answer. I think they. Uh, I'm going to try to make this quick. I think they could have put a little pizza gimmick on him. You know, pizza and, never uh, hurt pizza, nobody. Pizza never hurt nobody, like yeah. Steve said. You know what I mean? I think he could have came down. You know, maybe not. He could beat some jobbers on TV, but, you know, lose to Dino Bravo on the house shows and stuff. But have a little, you know, like a Coco. Have a little, you know, have a gimmick behind him. I think that I think that would have been pretty cool. There was never, like, a pizza guy in wrestling, to my knowledge, unless I'm not thinking of something. Steve, what do you think? I would go with Barry O. And, uh, Very good one. Very I, would, good. I would push him as uh, the jealous brother. Um, his brother, Cowboy Bob, getting a push, main event in WrestleMania. Match in WrestleMania too, and he's a bum, a jobber. And, Amazing uh, answer. Yeah, and he's had it. So I would do that. I would do a, a jealous brother angle with Barry O getting a big push. Yeah, I think uh, cul- Terry culminating in a match against his brother, uh, uh, Cowboy Bob. Terry Garver may have derailed that for him, but that's that's another story. True. But he had a great look, great yeah. look, Barry O. And I like the thing with the O that he did. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, fabulous, the fabulous Las Vegas Nevada. He would he would correct the announcer. All right, Jay Arsenio D'Amato, back to our Facebook group. Why were Andre and Ted so stunned to see a scantily clad Elizabeth? These two put it down on a legion of rats for many years. They couldn't have been too backed up. <laughs> Dave? I like that. Well, you know, uh, Jay, this is how it goes, brother. You could see a million hot strippers tonight. You go to a strip club, you go to 10 strip clubs, and they all, the most perfect bodies, everything. But maybe there's a girl that's not a little less attractive, but you know this girl from around town. You're kind of more excited to see her naked. You know what I mean? I can't explain it, but it's just one of those things. But that's my answer. Yeah, I was going to kind of compare it to like high school where, you know, there's the six or seven slots in high school. And let's say you, you, you go through all those. But then there's the good girl, the honor student, you know, wears big sweaters. But then one day, you know, spring of senior year, sweater comes off. Spaghetti straps come out. She's got D cups. You know, it's kind of like that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. hiding there. Like yeah. Billy Graham said, he, I can't believe my eyes. Like, no one would expect Liz to do such a thing. And, you know, she was a little skinny, not enough meat on her bones for my liking, but she, she was still curvaceous there in her, in her own little way. And, and it's Liz. So I would take her over any wrestling chick. All right. A comment from our friend Tim Mangione, who we got to oh, give my a, goodness. We got to give a shout out to Tim because he made it happen. Uh, he went to golf and stuff, and he took the pictures, and it was amazing. Uh, so, props to Tim. We should we should have a thing like, where are we going to make Tim go next? Um, what do you think? Anything yeah. in mind? Yeah, in LA, you know, you know, I'd like to see Dodger Stadium. You know, like let's get okay. a, let's get a vent, a sporting venue in there. Like, show me what Dodger Stadium's like. I know there's a great. Oh, wait a st- how about the, the LA? Is the LA Sports Arena still there? There you go. The home WrestleMania too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If I that's don't still think there, it is if, though. The forum is, is the forum is still there. Eh, well, I mean, wrestling wise, not too much. Right. A couple of uh, WCWs, I believe. Now, I guess yeah, Vince stayed out of a lot of the big. He stayed out of United Center in Chicago, but yeah. you know, same same deal in uh, in LA. I guess they you know they had deals or whatever. I got something from Tim too. If you're finished, yeah, go ahead. Uh, not much, just a couple of statements here. Uh, he loves the era of 1988. Uh, he loves Macho Man as champion. Love the Mega Powers. He laughs about. Um, he has a problem with the on the Peacock, the overdubs, Steam Bones music, etc. Yeah, Tim, I, that is brutal. 
some of that sucked. stuff. I watched. Sucked. I watched. Yeah, I watched tonight's show. I watched um, SummerSlam on Peacock because easier for me. That's the only reason why. And um, a couple were bad, but Demolition's music is back. I don't. Know, I hope nobody's listening from Titan Tower right now. <laughs> it's gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna scratch that off their list. Uh, Demolition's music is on SummerSlam '88, so I was very happy about that. Yeah, it's brutal. It takes away from. So I'd rather them just silence it, you know, than than have all that loudness going on but yeah that, that was cool that you hit on that uh tim and then he also wants to know do me or you steve or paula think that john cena will ever turn heel uh i guess no I'll go first okay go ahead yeah uh, five or six years ago i would have said hell yeah and it's coming any day anytime but now no no he's you know it's it's different nowadays they never do anything the old school wrestling fans would like they you know he's got to make 389 Marvel movies that are all the same, X Men and X Lax and all this crap. You know, it, it's that's it's just not going to happen. It would, it would just it would just be too good. And of course, you got the whole T shirt thing and you know kids and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, Steve. I was going to say no, just because I think he wants to protect one of the most important functions that he has in a wrestler, and that's all the make a wishes that he does. Correct. You know, he's done almost seven hundred. I think I don't want to shortchange him, but. At least 700, at least 600. I remember when he did his 500th, so he's done a bunch since then. Uh, Make-A-Wishes, and uh, he's so good at that, and I think that's so important. Such an important function. I think if he was full-time, there'd be time for that. You know what I mean? I yeah. just don't know and if I, there's I just, enough time so for something like that. So many people know so much about wrestling now, I don't even know if they would buy it. Like, yeah, he's a, he's really a good guy. This is bull crap. You know what I mean? This is, I think the know, best you, you can hope for is he comes back to work with a face and there's a gray area. You know, who's yeah. everyone going to cheer for? Like, that kind of a thing. That I could see happening. You know, where, where the promos are a little bit, like, on the edge, you know, a little bit uh, heelish. Um, tweener. Yeah, tweener, something like that. He's never going to, like, turn around and crack someone with a chair and, like, oh, my God, he's bad, you know, but, you know. Yeah, beat up some old lady, spit on some babies, you know. Right. Uh, Jay Hinchy, the old school way. Jay Hinchy wants to know, do you think the WrestleFest card could have been SummerSlam 88 instead? Oh, well, we kind of touched on that with uh, Justin's question. Um, it's a good card. Like I said, the whole roster was there in uh, Milwaukee that night uh, that or that afternoon, whatever it was. Um, no, I, I, I mean, there were jobber matches on there, you know, enhancement matches. You know, that that couldn't be on a SummerSlam. Um, you know, Duggan Honky Intercontinental title is good. You know, DB, then it's just the same same answer we, we said for the Savage, DiBiase, and Andre Hogan. So, uh Jay, no, I, I don't think that that's more of just like a pumped up house show, very similar to the big event in 1986 that you could compare it to. Yeah, I was going to say elements of it could have been, you know what I mean? You could have used some of the matches as the basis for a card. But like you said, there's some things on there that wouldn't work. Um, you know, you're not going to have a straight up squash type match on the card. Um, but certainly there were some ideas that were in WrestleFest and not part of SummerSlam. Maybe you could have combined the two. And made a, a card that's better than both, uh, to some degree. But I think that it, I think it, uh, I'm sorry. No, I was just Go gonna ahead. say it works good keeping them separate because you got two good events. I think even after uh, summer, even let WrestleFest happen, and um, after SummerSlam, the first Saturday night's main event of first Saturday night's main event of the new season of 1988 could have been kicked off with Hogan and Andre in a cage for a big blow off instead of Hogan and King Haku. Uh, I think that cage match could have worked there because Hogan, you know, had, had a, a the big cage match with Orndorff on Saturday Night's Main Event. Then later with the Big Boss Man, 
you know, 10 months down the line. But I think Hogan Andre to kick off that new season of Saturday Night's Main Event in the fall of 1988, I think that would have been bonkers. Amazing. So I would have put that there. You got one more, baby? All right, what do you got, honey? Um, Get right up to that microphone. Let us know. (laughs) Okay, I do. I know this one, and I think I could. Okay. It's from Tammy. Oh, another one from Tammy. And it good. Okay. Where? Why did we make of doing the twenty four inch apps? And there are two more. Okay. All right. So the question is, where did the idea for the twenty four inch podcast come from? And I guess I kind of have to answer that since it was sort of my idea. Um, I knew going into twenty twenty one that I wanted to have a side project that could complement the sportscaster, something else that could run on the feed, sort of another attraction, so to speak. Uh, so that um, people who listen to the sportscasters um, would have another option, and also people who didn't listen to the sportscasters but maybe liked this other thing could discover the sportscasters, a way to kind of bring listeners over. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something on Hulk Hogan, and I knew I had the perfect person for it, and that was Dave. So one night I engaged him in conversation on the Internet, and we kind of talked it out. Then the next thing you know, we're working on names, and then boom, before you know it, here it yeah. is. So. It's like it was, it was like the name of that old song. You remember that old song? I don't know much, but I know 80s WWF wrestling. That's right. And there's a song like, we all been in the old yellow submarine. Yeah, by the Beatles? Yeah. We Beatles. all live in a yellow submarine. What does that have to do with anything? Is it random? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe. You got one more? Yes. All right, one more for um, tonight. This is from... From Gregory? All right, Gregory, my nephew. He wondered, because we do Hulk Hogan, he doesn't really know wrestling. So he wondered, why, why, where do we, have you had the West? So Gregory's wondering, because he doesn't know wrestling, why we picked Hulk Hogan instead of a different wrestler? No. Oh. What are the wrestlers' names? Oh, okay. He wants us just to name every wrestler. Five wrestlers. All right. Well, let me tell you something, Gregory. All right, my nephew. You're getting ready for a beating here in a second, kid. All right? Get off the couch, put the Legos away, and get wrestling on. All right? You're six years old. It's time to start learning wrestlers. Yeah, but you come back at us. Tell Paul a five names yourself and tell us next week, dude. Dave and I and Paul aren't going to sit here just naming wrestlers for you. All right? Get Peacock, tell your dad I said it's okay, subscribe to Peacock, all right, and start watching some matches, kid, right? Gregory, enough. hurry. Okay, there's a shorter one now Willow made. She's like a short girl. Oh, okay, Willow, my niece. Yeah, one years old. She said. Yeah. And Laura helped her make And Laura helped her, of course, my sister-in-law. I like that name. Why? Yeah. What is Poe? Google, Gaga, Hulk, Hogan? Hulk Hogan. What about him? Spit up. <laughs> um, when Hulk Hogan was a baby, did he watch Hulk Hogan or he just wanted to be a wrestler? He did watch wrestling when he was a kid, right? Yeah, that's a good was, question. Yeah, he was a big fan. Yeah, of at least, uh, you know, um, young teenager. Sure, I used to go to the Homer, Homer Hesman Armory, whatever. I'm saying that yeah. wrong, probably Homer something. In uh, in Tampa with his dad, yeah, and he saw superstar Billy Graham get on the ropes and do that double bicep, and then that was it, and then he was hooked. You got anything left, Dave? 
I think I'm good. I think I'm ready to announce next week. All right, if one they don't more, know already. One more quick comment. This is from Gerald Rosenberg. Wanted to get him in here. Good man. You and him are going back and forth. I remember thinking that Hacksaw Jim Duggan might possibly be Shavage's partner due to his feud with Andre at the time, but that would have never worked. Uh, I, I read this and I thought, okay, it's interesting. I never thought of that. If that's the case, let's just say they did that. What would Hulk have done this night? I guess they would have promoted it as his big, as his big return, and I guess he would work with King Haku because okay. he, he's, he got the blame for Harley going through the table. Then Bobby brought King Haku in, and like I said before, they worked on the Saturday Night's Main Event right after this. So All right. I guess it would be billed that way. Gotcha. Paula, what are we doing next week? Dave, what are we doing next week? You guys know? Paul, do you know? The jail match. That's right, Dave. Tell more about it, buddy. What's, what are we doing next week? Madison Square Garden, Monday night, August 26th, 1991. Yours truly, Hollywood Dave Rollins, was in the house, was in Madison Square Garden for SummerSlam 91, a match made in heaven and a match made in hell. Which one was the wedding? The hell was the wedding and the heaven was... <laughs> I always get confused All there. right, Bobby. But uh, um, I'll be ready. Go ahead, baby. This one of my favorites. Yeah, Paula has loved SummerSlam 91 since she mm-hmm. started watching wrestling. She loves the jail match. She loves Perfect versus Bret Hart for the belt, right? And uh, because Hart classic. wins and he's like, like the mom to cry. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's going to get her, he's going to get her, wham, wham, wham. But then he won. He won, yeah. And his mom and dad were there, right? And his his lordship was a star of that. Yeah, what a Alfred great Hayes. interview by Alfred. All right, so that's what we're <laughs> gonna do next uh, next time, two weeks from from now, uh, the twenty four inch podcast uh, episode eighteen, SummerSlam nineteen ninety one. All right, I think that's it. With all that said, I just have one thing left to ask, and that's that between now and the next episode, you say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends. About the 24-inch podcast. Jack, Brother Jack. Oh, sweetie.